lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and none could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, welcome everybody to the third episode of the PWCC Weekly Hockey Auction Coverage Live. Today is Sunday, February the 5th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee. I want to thank all subscribers, viewers, podcast listeners, and if you are not yet subscribed to this YouTube channel, please take a moment and do so. With that, let's get on with it and bring on our co-host, Josh Madigan from the Hockey Cards Gong Show. Welcome back, buddy. How have you been? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Excited to be back. Boy, it's amazing how fast a week flies, huh? It's like we were just here and now we're back, but some cool cards to talk about tonight. It really is amazing how fast the time goes. And uh, this week, for the hockey auctions on the PWCC Weekly, there are 147 lots. Most of them are singles. There's a few wax items as well. We've got 147 items that we can be covering and we can be looking at. But even more exciting than that, I believe, is this new all-access extended bidding, which is happening for the very first time tonight on any PWCC auction. Uh, This is really exciting, Josh, because... Now, if you're, for example, watching this show and you see a card that you'd maybe like to make a play at, but you didn't bid before 7 o'clock Pacific, that doesn't matter anymore. You now can bid anytime in extended bidding, as long as you're a registered bidder on PWCC's website, which I think most of us likely are by now. So I think this is really exciting. I love the innovation. I love that they are trying something new. It seems like what what PWCC has said, Jesse Craig put out a promotional video or a, a message video telling the hobby what's going on. And Josh, what they're saying is that this is for the month of February only. And I think that's a really smart approach for them because if it doesn't work or there's some unforeseen issues, they can always just go back to the old way, but they can also extend it into March and, and, and onward if it's something that is going to work and make both their sellers and buyers happy. Um, I've got all sorts of thoughts on it, Josh, but let's go to you. What do you, uh, what have you thought about this? What do you think this means? I think it's a good thing. Like you said, it's awesome to test and you got to continue to push boundaries. You want to see what works, what doesn't work. It's great for sellers. It's great for people that are bored on a Sunday night and want to see what's going on in the PWCC and maybe bid on some cards the only person that or vantage point where it might not be a great deal is for someone like me, who's winning on a current lot right now. And it adds a little more sweat as I, you know, trying to get that card that I'm chasing here, but, but that's okay. That's okay. I'd like, just like you said, Jeremy, it's awesome that PWCC is trying new things. Yeah. I think, I think that's it right there. I love, I love, and you know, they're listening to their, to their customers and uh, I, you're right. I'm with you. I think that it's going to be, a great benefit for for the sellers, which means it may be a little bit more challenging for a buyer to end up winning a card that they want. But listen, I mean, this is, you know, note, it's almost like a perfect, uh, 
mix of the old, the, I don't want to say old because it might come back, but what they, what the traditional PWCC platform method and the eBay method. Right now, you can you can bid. Anyone can bid until the end, but that perfect blend is that you can't snipe. Now, I, I, you know, when I bid on eBay, I snipe. So I like how auction platforms for the for they they make it so that everybody can bid as much as they want until the end of the auction with with the pwc extended bidding now it can keep on going as long as people are excited so i think that this auction is going to take longer to end because more people are eligible to bid so there's going to be more resetting of the extended bidding yeah. window and i like i like that uh that you know if i decide i want to bid on a card josh you know an hour into extended bidding I can do that. If one of the viewers of our show sees a card that they didn't bid on before seven o'clock Pacific, but they want to take a stab at it, you're, you're qualified. I mean, mm -hmm. to me, it makes great sense. And yeah, like you said, it might cost a few more dollars to win some cards, but at the end of the day, I think Josh, that a card is going to be valued on any, any given day, what it's valued at. And we're just going to get there maybe get there in a little bit of a different uh, roadmap towards the final bid as far as when the bids are coming in. But that said, I think it might, you know, I think, I think the value that the cards will be on any given day um, with additional bidders eligible. Yeah. It could pump the prices up a little bit and great for sellers and buyers. You know, you just got to decide what you want to spend. No, I totally agree with you. For me, the key thing is not is having that extended bidding window. I'm completely anti-snipe and only because I'm horrible at it and it never works out for me. So this is definitely the way that I prefer. And to your point, Jeremy, if you think about, well, what is PWC or what's PWCC's place in a market in the marketplace? It's to provide a platform that makes cards accessible to as many people possible, right? And there's some beautiful cards in this auction and they should be as, as, everyone should have an opportunity to get them and to go after them if, if that's really what you want for your collection. And so I'm all for this. I'm, I'm predicting that it's going to work out really well, but we'll see. Yeah, that's just it. We will see. I do not know what to expect, but um, I'm excited. I'm going to share my screen in a few minutes and you guys, I'm logged in to PWCC. So you'll see where I've placed a couple of bids early on. Um, and you know, cards that I might be interested in. There's one that I, I might make a play for. It's always tough. I mean, if people out there know what I'm bidding on, they may either try and get it instead of me or bid me up. I don't know. So I, I might have to do stuff on my phone while we're running this show. But uh, let's collectors. Dream. Hold on. Are we back? Are we back? Are we back? I can hear you. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to keep going. I'm sorry about that, everybody. I don't know what's going on, but let's say hello to, again, Jeff McMahon, Jake Dahl. Welcome to the show. Michael Harrell. Welcome. Been watching. Make this show all about the cards on here. Keep up. Thank you so much. Uh, and baseball card curmudgeon Baz, what's going on? JG. Yes. Anyone can bid at any time. That is exactly right. Anyone can bid at any time. 
JG says been getting steals on PWCZ, so it makes sense. That's good. I mean, I think that's a, a big part of the reason. Anthony George, think I know the answer, but does Denny Savard get any hobby love? That guy may have been the most electrifying player ever seen to play the game. Just fun to watch. Anthony, it's funny you bring up Denny Savard, one of my favorites from the 80s. Him and Michel Goulet from the Quebec Nordiques played a lot with Peter Stasny. I know one of Josh's favorites. Um, yeah, I love Denny Savard. Does he get hobby love? No, not really. Not really, unfortunately, but he should. Thank you, Jeff. JG, appreciate that. It's a card knock life. Welcome to the show. And Jake says, I just registered for the first time. Well, maybe you'll make some bids and see what uh, what comes your way. Uh, Josh, are you bidding on anything this month? One card. I'm winning. You're winning so- one card. And are you going to share with us what that is? And of course, no pressure to do so. I want, no. to- I want the card. <laughs> okay. So the fact that I'm, that I'm logged in on my computer and I'm yeah. going to share that. Might cause me some grief down the road here. So a reminder to everybody again, there's no need now, although, you know, get your bids in when you want, but there's no need to get your bid in before seven o'clock Pacific as there would have been last week and every PWCC auction leading up to today. But there are still the same extended bidding windows. You can see them on the ticker right now. The first hour are five minute extensions, meaning if any card gets a bid in a five minute period, it will go for another five minutes. At 8 o'clock Pacific, it shrinks down to a two-minute window. And at 8.30, a one-minute extension window. So, you know, that's going to keep you on your toes as bidders, even though it's all access. I think we'll see this auction last, I'm going to guess, like 20% longer in extended bidding than in the past. Just a random guess, but we will we will see for sure. Jake says, yeah, for sure. May have to take a stab at something. And Anthony George, thank you very much. We'll have to see what uh, what we can uh, what we want to go bid on. So with that, guys, let's take a look at the auction. And here you go. So I've got it sorted already in advance to just the weekly Sunday number fifty five. You can see that right here because we could have adjust. We could have picked out. Uh, I could have clicked off both this week and next Sunday's items because they did go live on Thursday. This is a ten day auction. We've got hockey. We've got the wax as well for one hundred and forty seven total results. And we have it sorted from uh, oldest card to newest card. And Josh, I'll, listen, you jump in wherever you want. I, I was listening to your podcast the other day and you were talking about how last week we were talking about the Howie Morens and you said, I'm not going to let Jeremy go by without me jumping in and talking about the Howie Morens. Please, anything you want to talk about, feel free just to interrupt me, Josh. Okay. Okay. Challenge accepted. All right, good. So we guys, we're jumping in here. 147 lots tonight that are going to end. And uh, right off the bat, a very nice, very nice New Zealand Lalonde C55. This is the second year of hockey cards ever. This is a tobacco card. It's a near mint seven. It does look to be off centered right to left. You know, I'm a collector of this set. And I can tell you that uh, centering is very challenging. So despite the centering, without looking really close, I'm sure this card is near mint in every other way and just a real tough card, already evidenced by $3,300. This is not his rookie card, Josh. He has a card in the C56 series, the 1910s from the year before. That is another amazing card. So for a second year, Nuzi Lalonde, I love I love this card. I just have to say, I do have a copy mm-hmm. of it myself in my, in my C55 series. Uh, we've seen some champs cards now. This is the third week in a row. However, this week, just the one, the Werner Schnarr. Not familiar with a player, to be honest. I don't think I've ever heard of him. But it's a near mint mint eight. 
Uh, it's at 1275 already. Pop 101, one graded higher. If you are a set collector of, of this 24 Champ cigarette set, uh, this is a must-have. But Josh, this next card, one of my favorites, if not my favorite in the auction, 1951 Parkhurst, Maurice Richard. I mean, we talked a bit about this when we did the uh, the master class on your podcast, when, when you had me on talk about the Parker sets. As far as 51 Parkers goes, several important Hall of Fame rookies. In my opinion, this is the second most important in the series behind only Gordie Howe. And I would even argue this might be right up there with Gordie Howe. I'm a big Maurice Richard fan. A lot of people, Josh, I notice who aren't hockey uh, fanatics like we are, pronounce it you know Maurice Richard or they don't know how to say it it is just for anyone who's watching if you're not a hockey person it is Maurice Richard and his brother is Ari Richard Josh what do you what do you think about this particular PSA 7.5 Rocket Richard rookie card it's one of the ones that we highlighted on our show this week it's beautiful amazing a a tiny bit maybe off center but it's one of the better copies that you'd probably come across. And so if you're in the Maurice Richard market, this is one that you probably really want to look at. So I have a question for you, Jeremy. And this is a question I asked Troy this week. When you look at a guy like Richard and he has, he was eight times Stanley cup champion, right? When we, do we discount that at all, given there were six teams? So if we're saying, you know, a guy like Crosby has what three cups and Richard has eight, what's your stance on that as far as these vintage guys and looking at their cup totals, given that they had to beat out five teams as opposed to 31. That's a, you know, that's a good point. I I've never thought too hard about that, Josh. It's similar to the way, you know, in, in the NFL now, what, what records, how do you compare records last this past season over ones before when they went from 16 to 17 games? It's, it's yeah. kind of like an, I know, I know it's a loose, it's a loose comparison, but, but, you know, to me, yeah, it was easier to win. Now there's 30, it's five times harder now to win a cup. So if Crosby has three and five times harder, are those the equivalent of 15 compared to what happened, what was going on in the original six era? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, kind of. And I think I agree with you is that where we landed is, it's best to compare players within the same era that it's always going to be really tricky when you start comparing players outside of their era. And so really his, how many cups he won should be most relevant to the people that he played with within his playing window. Yeah. that makes sense to me too. This card, let's just look at this card for a moment. These 51 Parkers, they're not all the same. They're not all the same shape and dimension. Some are smaller than others. This one is looks to be full size. I say that because of the, the width of the border on each side. You know, Josh mentioned it looks to be slightly off-centered to the left, but I mean, even when we're zooming... ...zoomed in, like, you want to look for the snowing effect? right over here black background and this one seems to be almost void of it a little bit right here but nothing too offensive and you also want to make sure that the print on the bottom is nice and clear which it really is here so this is just a a great copy and um 15,500 it's got the exceptional eye appeal designation by pwcc top 15 percent i think that makes a ton of sense for me 
I was really interested in, in trying to acquire this card, Josh. I love this card. Like if you are out there right now and this is a card and I know a couple of people that are going for this one. So I'm sorry, guys, but I just have to say this is an amazing card. I mean, it's got a little bit of something back here. It doesn't bother me. It's on the back of the card. Obviously, the back of these cards are blank. I don't know if that's in the in the stock itself. I believe this is in the stock, like some some fiber. You can see fibers in this cardboard. It's actually quite nice. I'm not sure what that is, but I don't even care. I just think this is one of the nice. This is nicer than eights that I've seen, Josh. It comes down to the 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 width of the card overall. I love it. Gotcha. And I think the value on this one is a little tricky because you get into these PSA half grades. And there just aren't that many in the pop count. I believe there's uh, only been two public sales of a PSA 7.5. And this is a pop count of four. And so the last sale was in 2015 for just under 6,000 US, right? So we know that it's obviously almost three times above that right now. And then if you compare that to the, the highest sale ever for a 51 Parker's Rocket Richard, that was a PSA 8.5 that sold for 75,000 US in July of 2021. So it's, you know, there's a big window, I think, where this card can end up. Yeah, you know what? And listen, I would love to put this one beside that eight and a half that sold for 75,000. Swear to God, my money is on this one being a nicer copy from an eye appeal perspective. And I'd have to do that to make sure. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, threw in a, I threw in a bid of 4,500 before they announced that they were going to uh, all access extended bidding. And I, I think a few people probably did that. And now, fifth, listen, I have a copy of this card in a, in a PSA 4 holder. I love it dearly. I'm, I'm not going to be making any more bids on this card because that, well, that's a lot of money. And I have a copy I'm happy with. But I mean, still, what an amazing card. All right. Let's, uh, let's go back to here. And... Uh, this is the other card I love in this auction, Josh, the second year Tim Horton. This one I still might make a bid on. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see what happens once extended bidding starts. But this is the same image from his rookie card, the 51, which we talked about last week quite in depth. I think this is one of the most beautiful cards. 53 Parkers was the what they went from the small size here to a mid size. We don't see any here in 52 to an oversized, oh, I mean, these are just a little bit taller than today's standard cards, but look at this thing. It is a work of art. And if you take the Tim Horton, the Maurice Richard, and the Gordie Howe, all from the 53 Parker set, they are three of the most beautiful cards in all of the historical hockey, as far as I'm concerned. And um, I might make a play for this one tonight. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but I might still go for this card. And then eventually I'd have to go for the Richard and the Gordie Howe because I don't have them, but I'm getting more and more interested. And this is other collectors influencing me. I'm becoming more and more interested in like non-rookie year cards of, of Hall of Famers that are just beautiful. And that's, that I, I'll admit it, I've become influenced by by Maddie C's collection on Instagram in, in particular. Um, also by Rob Gerard, sports card therapist, who by the way is running a show concurrent with us right now covering the vintage segment of the PWCC auction. So, yeah, I don't want to talk about that one anymore, Josh. We'll come back to unless you have anything to say. Oh, I have a couple of things. Number one is, I agree, it's a, it's a special card. And it's a pretty rare one, too. So that PSA 8 is a pop 27, Jeremy. And there's only five graded higher. So this is one of the 32, you know, from a PSA perspective, at least, highest graded copies out there. 
it last sold in April of 2021. So again, these don't come up for sale very often for 1262 US. The weird thing though is the all-time high sale on this card was 7800 US back in 2016. So someone went big 7 years ago in order to to get one of these one of these copies. And that is probably a function of population at the time, right? You said this is a pop yeah. 27 with 5 higher. Back then, I'm totally guessing this might have been a pop three with one higher, like as extreme yeah. as that. We just, I have no idea. I could be way off there. Maybe the population hasn't grown much in the last six or seven years, but I, I venture to guess that it has. And um, I, I love the card. Okay, let's keep going before I turn too many more people onto that one, Josh. Here's some more 53 Parkers. And you got, you can just see these are works of art. I mean, I, I can't imagine kids back in the day opening up these cards and just like not treating them like prized possessions but they didn't they were just trading cards they were they were put in spokes and thrown against walls and traded on dirty grounds at recess to me now these are legit works of art i just love them uh we come into and again interrupt me if you want josh well i was just gonna make the point it's not just the kids right but as you said on our show they were essentially collated in cement mixers weren't they well, just with. the fifty ones. Just the fifty ones okay, were 51s. according to legend. Yeah. Okay. Who's meant for longer? We got some fifty-eight Parkers as well. There's a Rocket Richard again. Maurice Richard, also known as the Rocket, for anyone who's not sure. Rocket Richard. He's an absolute legend. Here's his fifty-eight card in an, in an EX five PSA holder. Carl Brewer. He's a he's a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, fan favorite from back in the day. Uh, Bill Hickey, not really familiar with him. Uh, Dick Duff, another player I'm not too familiar with. But you can see these cards are all right around that, well, that's the seven, that's an eight, that's an eight. And they're not too expensive. These are really great for set collectors. Same with these three here. Bert Olmsted, Noel Price, Gary Edmondson. These are common cards for the most part. The the uh, the Olmsted might be a little bit better than a common. These would both be commons. And um, well, we have three eight. They're all great at eight, eight, eight point five. And you can see quite affordable. And then a 61 tops card. 61 tops are really cool cards. There's uh, just the colors used, the backgrounds. This is an Andre Provino. Six bucks for an SGC one. Keep it on going. 62 Parkers. Bernie Jeffreyon, also known as Boom Boom Jeffreyon. His rookie card is in the 51 Parkers set. Hall of Famer. Uh, great player. And he's got, uh, he's had grandchildren in the, uh, in the NHL, I think uh, I think he's got lots of relatives. If you Google Bernie Jeffreyon and see who's related to him in hockey, it's quite the list. Uh, and then this is a wonderful second-year card of Rod Gilbert, the New York Rangers Hall of Famer. This copy's obviously off-centered. It's a PSA 6, $24, I mean, second year for a Hall of Famer. And like I said before, Josh, I'm becoming more and more interested in these non-rookie year cards. But let's keep on going. Uh, Bobby Orr here, third-year Bobby Orr. Uh, 68 Opeachy. You'll notice the not only is it off centered, but it's also heavily tilted clockwise, and that is very common. Very common on the 68 Opeachy, Bobby Orr, and the Bernie Parent, the the important cards that year. So, you know, maybe something to get your head around, but still tough to find without that that uh, that tilt happening. It almost looks like it's not slabbed correctly. Like I would have. Without knowing that printing fact, I would have assumed that it was a mistake when it was put in the slab. Yeah, I can see that. 
And then you look at the border though, right? You look at the, the, the border right here, yeah. how thick it is there. And it comes down, down to there. Very narrow here, much thicker up here, thicker up here, gets narrower as you move to the left. Some people, I think, uh, I believe erroneously refer to that as diamond cut. I refer to that. Diamond cut to me is when you don't have a perfect rectangular card with four yeah. 90 degree angles. To me, this is called tilt. It's a centering issue. And uh, it is what it is. This card has been um, authenticated by Beckett Vintage Grading Services. And it says it's altered. So probably, I'm just guessing, has some trimmed edges. Uh, but 88 bucks and you got yourself a nice copy of, a, of a, an altered third year Bobby Orr card. Let's go to page two here, Josh. While that's happening, uh, we'll say hello to Scott Pope. What's going on, Scott? Todd McDonald, good evening to you. Happy to have you here to finish off the weekend. T Dot in the house says, Yes, it's five times harder to win a Stanley Cup now than it was versus the original six days, especially with parody. Not parody. <laughs> that's not parody. You got the wrong parody there, T Dot, but uh, I hear you. Uh, goes on to say, not only that, Montreal was the mecca of hockey, so they had all the great players. That's true. C. Eddie B., what's going on? My local card collecting friend says, been taking in both of your shows since the beginning. Great to see you combining forces. That's nice, hey, Josh? Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, T-Dot says, after the vintage, the auction is kind of weak. Well, it depends on what you're looking for, T-Dot. I mean, I think there's going to be some gems in there for a, a, a large cross-section of people. But uh, yeah, not again, different strokes for different folks. Daniel A, always good to see you, buddy. Says the Richard 7.5 is a beauty. I mean, I don't know if you were here when I was just fawning over it for 10 minutes or so, uh, both Josh and I. But yeah, Daniel, I love that card. Jeff McMahon says Boom Boom's grandson played for Nashville. Yes, oh. he did. And there is uh, Mike from Eastridge, my local LCS. Mikey, good to see you. All right, so let's see here. We are we are trying to get to page two here. I'm not sure why that is not. And I did take the advice we got last week, Josh, which was um, to use Firefox for the PWCC uh, listings. And that is, we are in Firefox here, but it does not seem to want to register me clicking to the next page. And I don't know why that is. It's probably because there's so many bidders that are bidding on the card that I want to win right now. That's the cynical <laughs> side of me. That's probably it. Here, I'm just gonna hit a. I'm gonna do a quick refresh here. I'm gonna unshare. I think it, I think it came up. Oh, uh, no, it didn't. It didn't. Let okay. me just do a quick refresh here, guys, and we will try to get to page two. Josh, you said there's one card that you're bidding on. I'm not gonna make you talk about it, but what's your strategy? What are you thinking for strategy? Are you, you're winning it right now? Are you gonna put in a thinking about putting in a protectionary bid or are you going to just wait to see kind of what happens as time goes by as far as the extended bidding goes? Per usual, I have no strategy, but I did up my bid a little bit right before we started recording, knowing that I probably will be distracted and won't have time to go in and bid again. So I'm just going to ride it out, Jeremy. Good call. I mean, see what happens, right? See what happens. Uh, Mike says the site seems to be down. The app is not working either. Okay. So that's probably not us. SSP Joel. Good to see you. Another Calgarian. We've got about at least four people from Calgary in the chat right now. Well, in the chat and one on the screen, as far as I'm aware of. So welcome to all my local collectors. Good to, good to have you guys. Th and thank you for letting me know, Mike, 
that the uh, the app isn't working right now. So if the site is stagnating, uh, we will we will just let that catch up. And I'm sure the fine folks at PWCC will work through that um, as best they can and as quick as they can. Uh, thanks, JG. Thank you for that update as well. PWCC down right now. So let's just be patient. Give it a few minutes. I'm sure that we'll work that out. And uh, in the meantime, Josh, all-star game. The all-star festivities okay. were this weekend. Yep. The skill competition. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I did not watch any of the all-star games. I was keeping up with headlines on my Sportsnet app. Caught a few of the uh, highlights on social media. Uh, but, you know, the general narrative on the NHL All-Star game is that it's boring as heck. It's just like no one tries. It's They're not doing a great job of showcasing the skills of the All-Stars. To a degree, I understand it. You don't want to get hurt. You don't have a player yeah. injured. In baseball, it's much more important because the winning team has home has the home field advantage for the Super, for the, for the um, World Series. In hockey, the winners split a million bucks. These guys don't need to split a million bucks. Yeah. They're making they're making a million bucks a month. Some of them, right? Like, so there's really no incentive to compete hard in the all-star game for NHL. And then you got the skills competition. Um, I saw a few things. I saw Connor McDavid with the the accuracy shooting, shoot oh, yeah. down four targets in like 9.7 seconds. Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid is to me and this is controversial, but to me, he is probably the most skilled hockey player of all time, which I believe equates to the best hockey player of all time. Now, take this with a grain of salt, everybody, okay, when I say that. doesn't mean he's had the best career of all time. The best career might be Jean Beliveau or Ari Richard or Marc Messier. Those guys might have had the best career of all time. Mike Bossy, I had, you know, on, on a, you know, per season kind of average, I haven't mm. said Lemieux. I haven't said how I haven't said uh, Wayne Gretzky yet. Obviously Gretzky to me is the best player of all time. When you combine everything on, on ice skill, performance, personal accolades, team success, international success, all these different things. But if you're just looking at skill, who's the best player to ever lace them up and take a puck. I would, I, for my, for me, from what I've seen, like I love Denny Savard. We talked about, about him earlier, but Connor McDavid seems to do what Denny Savard could do at a higher speed, you know, in, in 2020, in the 2020s when players are just a much better physical condition. Anyway, I'm rambling here. What do you think about, uh, about the all-star game? What have you heard? Um, you know, TDOT says right here, it was, it was highly criticized all all-star weekend. I'm not surprised. What's your take? What, what takeaways do you have, Josh? Oh, I have a few, but first, do you want to check if there's anyone still watching now that you said McDavid might be better than Gretzky? Did we lose our audience here? Or, I mean, wow. I love it, Jeremy, with the hot take. Uh, no, yeah. that, is something to, that is something to think about. Listen, the All-Star Game is about showcasing your sport and your game and trying to bring in a new audience. It's a little more kid-driven, right? The older we get, because we know that the players don't, like you said, they don't try as hard. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it loses some of the appeal. Some of the fixes that we talked about on our show and whether that I would love to see, let me run this one by you. What about a breakaway challenge where winner takes all million dollars, where the final skater and the fi- and the goalie, final goalie, compete for a million bucks? Winner oh, take all. I mean, now there's something... 
No, there's a million bucks for a player on the line, and it's you against me against you. I mean that that's exciting. You're the gonna goalie get... could win, the skater could win, right? It's mano y mano, have it a tournament style, and winner winner takes all. And I think when it gets down into that semifinal quarterfinal range, you're gonna have a lot of people, a lot of people trying pretty dang hard. Now I'm gonna say something controversial. You ready? Yeah. Look at our viewer count. I don't think that the all-star game, sorry, Toronto should ever be in Canada again. And, and the only reason why I say that is can, hockey does not need to be more popular in Canada for the sport to grow and for our hobby to grow. It's already as popular as it could possibly be. Every all-star game should either be in the United States or if the NHL really wants to go big, take a week and a half off instead of a week and send your best players to Europe and make it a true showcase. And try to get send your best players over there, get everyone involved. Uh, you know, as far as this one goes, I think the tournament style is a little bit better than a traditional all-star game. We thought that some of the skills challenges got a little hokey, right? Golf, the golf one and the one on the beach where they're shooting pucks at surfboards. I, I don't know about it. A little bit of a stretch for me, but it is what it is. Again, I, I just think that they need to do something to make it a can't miss event. I agree. You know, your comment that the all-star game should never be in Canada again. Well taken point. I'm Canadian. I just heard they just announced in next year, the year after is going to be in Toronto. Toronto. And I'm thinking to myself, it's great for people in the greater Toronto area, but I agree with you. Is that going to grow the game in the United States where I'd like to see it grow, where I think the NHL would like to see it grow. I think it's more or less like, okay, we got to go to Canada once every five or seven years because that's the ratio of teams we have. So uh, we're going to do it in Toronto because it's the biggest market. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm i with you. I don't, yeah, we, our viewership has only gone up since you said that, Josh, and that makes sense. The Sports Cards Live uh, viewer analytics or, or demographics are heavily uh, in the United States, not Canada. So that's also a function. Have you, have you, did you see the, T, the US TV rating disaster? No. Oh, I heard something about that. Yeah, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so we just saw a report, I think, from Sports Business Journal where the US TV ratings for the season are down 20% compared to last year. Now, there are some quote-unquote silver linings, which I don't think matter because no matter the reason, 20% less people in the United States have seen an NHL game than they did on TV the previous year. It basically comes down to, for whatever reason, ESPN started putting NHL games as counter-programming against Sunday night football, which traditionally you use like the, like a Midwestern bowling tournament, because you know that nothing is going to do well in that time slot. And it's where shows go to die. The other thing ESPN has been doing is putting most of their games here behind their ESPN plus paywall. So making, so not only can, and we've had that here in Minnesota with the wild, where certain games are not on our regional sports network and are now behind the, the ESPN paywall. And then on TNT, what they're seeing is that a number of games have been blacked out. So TNT had a nationally televised Bruins game where all of New England was blacked out because of the New England sports network has TV rights. And it, again, I could go on, but all this comes down to is that somehow the NHL is creating TV deals 
where they're making it almost impossible to see games and the sport. And then correspondingly, the hobby for the hobby to grow, we need to expose it to more people. And if you're, and it needs to happen in the United States and it still is impossible. I haven't told you this yet, but you know, I don't, I don't know what it was like growing up in Canada when the Minnesota North stars were in the 1991 Stanley cup finals. And maybe this is a good thing because we got killed by the penguins. The only way for us to watch games was we had to buy pay-per-view on old satellite dishes. If you remember what I was, I had to listen to the games on the radio and we're in the Stanley cup finals journey. That was the only way for us to watch it. We couldn't watch it. You had a satellite dish. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's unfortunate. By the way, I'm watching the PWCC website. It seems to still be down for me, uh, both on my phone and on the uh, on the computer. It just we're getting a full. Oh, it just came back up on my phone. Just came back up on my phone, I believe. So let me just uh, see what's going on. Maybe it's an old cache because on the computer, I'm still getting. I'm getting this guy right here, guys. On the you know, I'm trying to stop it and hit pwcc that's a direct link let's do this let's just uh close that one for a second and go in here and just hit pwcc main page and see if that brings us uh brings it up maybe we can't get to the auction but we can get to their main site and now my it's now it's down again on my phone it's churning away on my phone again i'm guessing a bunch of you are dealing with this right now as well but we are watching it and hoping it uh, comes back on soon, everybody. But uh, we will see. In the meantime, let's go to some comments, Josh. And there are some in here about the All-Star Game. First, though, SSP Joel says, are young guns still the go-to for modern-day hockey rookies? I think the easy, quick answer is just yes. Yes, they are. And it really depends on you know your, your price point. Your how long you've been collecting, what you like, you know, there are and I Josh, Josh and Troy did a great job a couple of weeks ago on their podcast talking about like what are the main rookie cards for a player each year? I think you guys settled on you got your young gun, your SP authentic feature watch, and the cup. And then you guys talked about a few more. Um, this might have been, I forget if this was a ma- a master class, but why don't you just speak to that a bit, Josh, and what what you what you kind of what your studies revealed. Yeah, Joe, I would agree that the young guns are still the go-to for modern-day rookies. They're going to be an anchor of every collection, but they're not. You have to be careful, though. That that doesn't necessarily mean that they are great long-term investments because th- what makes them pretty special is they are fairly accessible. And what you see as a result of that are as a player gets more established and he does well, the pop counts go up, up, and up. And at some point, when you got a guy like Kirill Kaprizov, whose PSA 10 Young Guns pop count is, I think, the the fourth highest pop count of any hockey card of all time now, it is, it's going to drive the value of that down because there's that replaceability factor that we tend to talk a lot about, that if you're looking for long-term value, uh, you know, you want to find cards that are a little harder to replace than a Young Guns, but it's the flagship rookie. It's, it's an iconic card, and if you're going to PC anyone, you're, you're surely going to want it. And then you're right. I mean, we talked about what are the kind of the three staple cards. It's the Young Guns, the Future Watch Auto of 999, and then the Cup RPA. And there's different print runs on uh, depending on the tier of the of the player. But then beyond that, we tried to identify 
you know, what are the next most iconic cards? Is it the Ice Premier's rookie? Is it an emerging one that we're seeing more and more activity on now with the OPG Platinum Seismic Gold, where, you know, in, people love gold shiny cards, right? And so you can you can flock to those and just trying to identify what are some of the other cards that, you know, if, if you're going to be a Leon Dreisaitl collector, what are the 10 cards that you just have to have in your collection? And that's sort of the, the thought exercise that we've been going through. Yeah, it's funny. There's right now, I've seen a listing for a Wayne Gretzky. I think it's 2018 or 19 OPG Platinum, a Seismic Gold. It's in a PSA 10 holder. And then there's the Orange Checkers, also in a PSA 10 holder. The Gold's out of 50. Yeah. The Orange is out of 25. And currently, the Gold is outperforming the Orange in terms of the bid. Yet, it's out. the population is twice as much. And the Orange is a beautiful color match. So I think that sometimes, yeah. you know, in the hobby, we we let the narrative or we let what everyone else loves get get us carried away and thinking, well, that's the best way to go. But there are options to that, and there are other there are other ways to approach it. But um, I hear what you're saying about the rookie. You're definitely right. I think I think, you know, just don't don't let ever, don't let the group think mentality influence you too much in this hobby. There are a lot of options and a lot of alternatives to every thing out there all right continuing on uh t-dot says this was a highly criticized all-star weekend t-dot says mario lemieux probably the best hands ever hard to argue that although i think Connor mcdavid is probably right there with him if not uh yeah right there with him i'll leave it at that daniel wants to know in your opinion would you rather have put the maurice richard in the premier auction versus the weekly i don't know i don't know daniel i think um the weekly auction the premier I don't know if it's going to, I don't know how much of a difference it makes. I think the people from PWCC might have a better gauge on the answer to that. So I just don't have a thought. Do you have a thought on that, Josh? It did cross my mind because that is a iconic, very rare, special card. But I think when a card like that comes up, word spreads pretty quickly. And a lot of people know about it right now. So I don't think that that'll hurt it too much as far as, but, and I'm not an expert on the, you're probably more of an expert on the PWCC auctions as far as like what really are the, the functional differences uh, between the premier and the weekly. I mean, I know one's longer and one typically has higher value cards, but that's about where my knowledge ends. Yeah. Maybe because the premier does typically have higher valued cards. Maybe some higher value card buyers are not watching the weekly because they, they're waiting to put their money into the premier and they may not even be aware it's on the platform right now. And if that's the case, then yes, I would I would rather put it in the premiere as a seller. Um, but if if you know only their only their behind the scenes analytics would tell us, but I don't know if it's going to make a difference at this point. I just don't know. Maybe very very possibly. T dot says the stands were empty in Florida. I mean, I saw empty means no one was in them. T dot, uh, but I hear what you're saying. I think that there were some people there, but yeah. You don't want empty seats at this at the All-Star game. Uh, Jeremy, follow five ball. Yes, I will be at the Burbank show. Flying in on Thursday. Cannot wait. Ooh, baby says All-Star game was a joke. I find that very easy to believe. Uh, Daniel says, T-Dot, I once spent time talking with Paul Coffey, who played with, Mer- with Wayne Gretzky and Mario Louis. He said Wayne was the smartest player he ever played with, and Mario was the most skilled. Yeah, I don't think that's a much of an argument there and i think mcdavid has both uh kevin says the all-star game has been generally boring but 
tolerable. The production seemed so disjointed this year and difficult to hang in there and watch. TDOS says all-star games won't grow the sport. It's all about TV in the USA. Very fair comment. Evan Thomas, really enjoying the episodes with Josh. Thanks for hosting. Hope everyone can hit the like button. Well, thank you, Evan Thomas. And uh, yeah, I knew I I picked a winner when I reached out to Josh. Jeff McMahon says ESPN Plus is the major reason for that 22%. So we're we're a little bit behind in comments here, about eight minutes at the moment. Still waiting for PWCC website to come back online. Daniel says the only all-star game I can tolerate is the Major League Baseball. And I don't watch that either. (laughs) Tita says the USA likes big balls, football, basketball, baseball, not to use not used to following a puck. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something right there. Yeah, still down for you, Joel. Still down for me. I'll just try refreshing one time while, while I go over there. Let's see. LGCOPG says, not participating in the 2022 Olympics was a missed opportunity for more U.S. exposure because I think Team USA would have been loaded with young stars. Yeah, excellent point. For sure, for sure a missed opportunity. Tito says, look what happened to Yager's Opichi premier rookie card. The pop count is killing the price. It doesn't stop. I mean, any junk wax card, like there's no limit on the population. So very well. Oh, here we go. PWCC Marketplace says, hey, guys, our team is hard at work on a solution. We will have an update shortly. We deeply apologize for the inconvenience. All I want to say to that is it's understandable. PWCC made some changes to their auction uh, process with all access extended bidding. And um, I'm just thankful that you guys popped in and let us know. So thank you for that. PWCC marketplace. That comment came in five minutes ago. I'm only seeing it right now for the first time. So um, we'll wait for that update. Let me see if it's coming. Nothing yet, but thank you to PWCC and please keep us updated. We have over 50 people in here watching with us right now. And that's wonderful. Yes, Jay-Z, it is down. Soccer card says will be interesting to see if PWCC blames. <laughs> well, why will that be interesting? Soccer cards, like I mean, like that—that's the stupidest comment I've seen so far. Uh, Daniel A says I don't like to compare players from different eras. I I totally get that, Daniel. I don't love that either. Um, but it's kind of just what we do as sports fans. But yeah, it's that—that's why they're never-ending debates with no right or wrong answer. It's a card knock life. They still even have an all-star game. (laughs) You're kind of surprised they still do it, huh? Alan S. says, Mario played a much tougher game than Gretzky and McDavid. Well, he was also a lot bigger, so that's understandable. And Kevin says, empty seats at the all-star game because the bulk of tickets go to advertisers, sponsors, and they go unused. Yeah, that's a great point right there, that that's often the case. Well, sure. one point for you sure. could probably make for Toronto is I doubt there'll be empty seats next year. Right. There won't be an empty seat next year. Yeah. Yeah. There, there won't be not, not, not if it, there must've been the year after it must be 2025 that they announced it for. I'm thinking because 2024 should have been announced by now. I would think, I think they keep those things announced a couple of years in advance, but um Someone let us know, please. When is the All-Star game, the NHL All-Star game? Are you do you know it's in 2024, Josh? I, I could just be dead wrong. I think there. it is 2024, but I always checking is good. I saw yeah. Justin Bieber talk about being at the All-Star game next year. And so yeah, there, there we go. Basement breaks. Uh assuming that basement breaks is verifying for us that it is 2024. Thank you, hockey barn collectibles. Thank you, T Dot. Everyone but me knew that it was 2024. 
I'm actually surprised that they're only announcing it now. Um, but hey, or when they announced it last week or so, but uh, that's great. Good to know. Yeah, yawn on the All-Star game in Toronto. I agree. I mean, I'd like to see it be somewhere else. JG, here's a good one for you, Josh. Thoughts on Owen Power, say his young guns, SGC 10 available. I believe, Josh, I'm about I'm about 25 minutes into your most recent podcast, the Hockey Card Gong Show. And uh, I believe it's Owen Power that you were talking about, if not this week, last week. What are your thoughts on Owen Powers and his young gun in an SGC 10 holder? He's one of the three biggest chases from Series 1, and he did finish the last week before the All-Star break pretty strong. I think he scored his first three goals. It's just going to come down to he's a defenseman. And where where is the long-term value in defense? I, I think now you're going to pay a premium for it. Um, if it's something that you just got to have and you're willing to do that, go ahead and get it. I think coming into the summer, you'll probably get it a lot cheaper than it is right now because the pop will kind of will go up. We'll be into the buying season. And one of the things that Troy and I have been talking about a lot, Jeremy, and it'd be interesting to get your opinion on this is, you know, the season that McCarr had last year, I think it started to change the frame of reference for how people look at defensemen. But that luster seems to be wearing off a little bit. It's been a bad year for Merlider. That hasn't helped. McCarr has been good. But he hasn't been, he's not breaking records left and right this year. And I feel that, you know, where we maybe thought nine months ago that this is going to be the new era of of collecting defensemen and, and defensemen values, I, I'm just not so sure that that is going to happen despite how good McCarr is. Yeah, and it doesn't help that he's not having a follow-up season to the last one that is, as good of or not better than last year. If he was, I think you would see more continued excitement towards defensemen. Miro Heiskanen is another great defenseman that comes to mind. I mean, there's there are several great... Def- I mean, Eric Carlson's having a great season in San Jose, but he's buried on a pretty bad team there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's funny. There was a Quinn Hughes, another one I, I like in, in Vancouver... I was I was thinking that there's going to be more love for defensemen. I always thought the defensemen got a, a bit of an unfair tre- unfair treatment by the hobby. I mean, why not defensemen? Ob- you only have five skaters on the on the ice at any given time, and two of them are defensemen. They're obviously a critical part of the game. And um, Bobby Orr is you know one of the most popular players in the hobby of all time, and he was a defenseman. Ray Bork, Paul Coffey, Nick Lidstrom, Zdeno Chara, Brian Leach. There's been some amazing defensemen along the way. Um, but interesting comments, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how how the hobby. Last thing I'll throw in there is just. Oh, so sorry. It's just a Buffalo comment. I think Buffalo is the most exciting hockey hobby team to watch. They're just loaded, and so you know, I think that that is if you want to maybe buy or invest in on power, that that is something in his favor. That they're just gonna, you know, you got Tage Thompson, you've got Razzle Stalin, you've got uh, Dylan Cousins, who people are high on. They're just they've got the best young crop of, you know, call it hobby stars. And so, uh, you know, they'll be exciting to watch from there. But in the last thing, Jeremy is ultimately, I, I think from the best that we can figure out is the hobby loves goal scorers. And, and so it's going to take a defenseman to score 40 plus goals. And that's really hard to do, obviously. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you're, you're right about that. Um, Andrew Marks, yes, the site is down. We're waiting for it to come back up and we'll, we'll give it a little bit still and continue to chat and interact with you guys. So keep the comments coming, everybody. Uh, Jay-Z says SGC 10 power is fine for me. T-Dot says it put a lot of heat on Darnell Nurse in Edmonton. Yeah, no doubt, T-Dot. Uh, he's making a lot of money there and not doing too much. Stanley Cup hangover for the Avalanche and Kale McCart could be. Basement Break says Bobby Orr or Bust for defensemen. Yeah, like Ray Bork should get way more hobby love. He gets hobby love for me. You know, Paul Coffey, another one, doesn't get it. But I just think it's, I think they should get it. And I think, I think right now it's narrative and it's just a lot of people saying, well, they don't get any love. So I'm not going to give them any love. Well, you know, we, we can change that if we want. Jay-Z says defenseman rookies never hold value. Never. Well, I mean, you know, you can still, you can still get a high grade Ray Bork uh, rookie card for, you know, $5,000. That's not no value, but you know, Nick Lidstrom, his rookie cards are in the, the junk wax era. So there's nothing of value there, but same goes for, Peter Forsberg and Timo Solani and, and Yaramir Yager and Martin Brodeur. And I mean, some of the all-time greats. So it, that's not a, a great one to talk about. Darlene has been the best D this season. Yeah. The, speaking to what you were talking about, Josh, in, in uh, Buffalo, Jay-Z says, buy a season later and save your money. I mean, that's just great advice. Uh, Peep says, could it be Rasmus Darlene looks even better than Makar right now? Maybe when Makar's at full health and back in stride, will it still be the case? We'll have to wait and see. Half the avalanche is injured. Daniel says, or is the only defenseman that gets true hobby love. Well, okay. I just want to say one thing. There are people out there who collect Brian Leach. I know for a fact. There are people who collect Zidane Chera. I know for a fact. There are people who collect Raymond Bork. There are people who collect Kale McCarr. Hardcore. Van Mash collects him. Hardcore. So there is uh, other defense. Some defensemen get hobby love, but they're not getting it in the in this critical mass that is going to vault them into the top you know 10 play a, a top 10 list of hobby of players who receive hobby love and, and i don't My think job. jeremy that this is unique to hockey right quarterbacks get the love in the nfl home run hitters get the love in baseball the defensive player of the year in basketball isn't going to have the value that the the top scorer right is going to have either so it's just kind of the nature of the beast is that in hockey we tend to love our goal scoring centers or, or wingers and those are the guys that predominantly drive the value yep jg says can't wait to see luke hughes next year yeah will that be the third or fourth hughes brother to enter the league that'll be pretty cool jay-z says uh you're right d-men are critical to the game but the hobby doesn't reflect it no they it, the hobby doesn't uh, Joel says, just asking questions because the site is down. Thoughts on holding upper deck flagship wax 20 to 23. I don't have any thoughts on that, Joel. It's, uh, not my, not my angle. I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hobby that way. Um, Josh, any comments from you on this? I think it comes down to, it's a little bit of luck of the draw. Are you going to have an Austin Matthews type? player in any one of your flagship releases and sure the three or four years down the road the value is going to go up on that if it turns out that like a 2018 year release which outside of the you know maybe emergence of uh Darlene is looks a little weak then you're probably not going to do as well in that it just depends on 
what the chase is uh, for that. And that, that's really true about any wax. We just, uh, there was a record sale for a case of 2015, the cup where someone just paid 42,000 US for essentially 36 cup cards, right? Trying to chase that McDavid rookie. Now, $1,200 a card, <laughs> that seems like a lot to me. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's an example of you know, there can be good money in, in wax and you, you're not going to get a crazy return, Joel, like you did, like you would on the cup with flagship, but you could double it if there's a, a top tier guy in that, you know, three or four years down the road. And Joel, by the way, thank you for the question. Do appreciate it. And uh, my thoughts, you know, on second thought, my thoughts would reflect what Josh said. You know, uh, I've heard a lot of people say investing in wax is like investing in the rookie index for that year, you have a shot at all the rookies. And if you're having an unopened case, likely there's one of every card in there, at least as far as the rookies, the young guns goes. So it really just depends. But as is said down here by basement breaks, next year's wax is the one to hold. That's the one with Connor Bedard. It's funny how there's so many Connors in the league. Like, you know, the two best players in the NHL are likely named to be Connor by next season, which uh, a nice little coincidence there. You want a crazy Bedard hockey card stat, Jeremy? So yeah. we just reported on there's a record sale that we found today, and I'm pulling it up right now to make sure that I get this right, because this blew my mind. So in a 2021-22 Upper Deck CHL Bedard Stars card, which is uh, auto, it's a uh, sticker auto, right? It's a second-year CHL card. Raw just sold for 2102 US dollars. So here you have a second year CHL non-numbered raw sticker auto card selling for over 2100 US. Yeah, that's that is, that is uh that's that's a big number. That's just a big number. All right, let's keep on going. Mike Kemmel, unless the hobby grows, there will never be money for defensemen. Just wait till Bedard gets to the NHL and all cards people will sell to get into him. I mean, that's a legitimate comment there, right? People might be selling off other holdings to buy Connor Bedard. Uh, and we've seen it before. We saw that. We saw that happen with Connor McDavid. I mean, the hobby was a different place back in 2016 when his big cards were coming out, but we saw that. I saw a ton of people just waiting, waiting, waiting for McDavid. And that's what's happening with Bedard right now. The funny thing is that Bedard cards, the ones that are out there, like those, the team, the upper deck team, Canada world juniors, um, they're selling for more than McDavid's are from that same series. And, and yeah. McDavid's got a pretty good career under his belt already. Bedard hasn't done anything yet. So that's just the, the, that's how the hobby is, right? It's all, we love to prospect and we want to be right. And we want to, we want to watch the player that we invested in because at that money it's investing. We want to watch a player we invested in do great things and watch them on the highlights and uh, you know, win awards and Stanley cups eventually. We mentioned uh, Ray Bork and Drew Herndon. Let me get that potograph in the house. How's it going, buddy? Says Ray Bork. I know uh, Drew's a big, uh, an abs fan, I believe. Tita says, my Ray Bork rookie is gold. I'm a big fan of the Ray Bork rookie. Anthony George always liked Chris Chelios, defenseman who plied his trade mostly for the Chicago Blackhawks. Tita collects Raymond Bork. There's a defenseman. Jake Dahl collects Brian Leach and Raymond Bork. Couple of defensemen. Jay-Z says, my Paul Coffey rookie is a BGS 9. Ending tonight was a 270 when the site went down, getting no love. Yeah, it's also a BGS 9, Jay-Z. Uh, you know, 80s OPG cards and BGS holders tend to be assumed to be sheet cut, and just a lot of people don't, don't like that. But 
Some do. Some do. And, you know, each to their own. Daniel says maybe they need to change the position name from defenseman to what? To like halfback or midfielder or mid-ice? I, I like the comment, Daniel. Thinking outside the box. I always, always like that. Jake Dahl says, I bought, Jeremy, I bought your Brian Leach journey jersey quad from you on Com C. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for the deal, Jake. That's awesome. Mike Kemmel says, uh, Rasmus Dahlin is great, will never be worth a lot, is too many good offensive players on his team. That's an interesting comment right there, Josh, because what he's saying is that, like, you know, sometimes if the defenseman is the best player on the team, they may not be overshadowed too much. In the case of Buffalo, where you have where you have Rasmus, Dahlin, Owen Power, and then a whole bunch of up-and-comers up front kind of overshadowing you. I can see that being, I think that's a pretty astute comment that Mike is making. What do you think? Oh, I think he's spot on. And we it goes beyond defensemen. It's for whatever reason, when we look at all the teams in the NHL, it seems like the hobby only has enough room to really get behind one guy. Why, you know, you look at Edmonton is the best case, right? Take Connor McDavid out of the equation. Can you make an argument that Leon Dreisaitl is the best player in the NHL? I think you can. It might it might not be true, but and again, he gets comparatively no love. To uh, another great example would be Mitch Marner, right? Many people think, and it's probably true, he's having a better season than Matthews. Does he get any love in the hobby? No. It's like the hobby kind of decides that okay, here's the guy from the team that we're going to throw our support behind. And then it's sort of table scraps left for, uh, for, for everyone else. And, and I think, you know, just to round out to going back to now defensemen a little bit, it is the one thing that's interesting about this era is that the defensemen are much more offensive, right? And the game seems to be heading that way where they're joining the rush. They're much more skilled from an offensive perspective. They're not as these huge, big bulking bruisers that, you know, going back to like Zidane Ochara, right, is a great example. And, you know, we'll see over the next five years kind of how that evolves. And we might have a 40-goal scoring defenseman. I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility, whether that's Kale McCarr or somebody else. And so if that happens, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the hobby impact is. Yeah, that could be a case of the rising tide lifts all all defensemen ships if, uh, if, if we do have a 40-goal season out of a, de- out of a defenseman. Definitely possible. I just want to say that uh, Mitch Marner does get love in the hobby as, you know, in, especially in Toronto. Uh, quite a few people, like even, even Nylander does as well. He's having a great year, but you're right. It's all, and then what about, what happened to Jonathan Tavares? I mean, no one even, he's sure. lost a ton of hobby love, especially after moving from the Islanders to Toronto. But the the other, you make a case with Dreisaitl, but the even, maybe the even the better case is Evgeny Malkin in Pittsburgh, who's been playing in Sidney Crosby's shadow for over 15 years and has had seasons where he could have been argued to be the best player in the NHL. There's been seasons where he could be argued to have been better than Sidney Crosby. So that you're right. That is the case, Josh. We The hobby decides what player they want to focus on. And then if you're not, I think I think Mitch Marner might be the like only real, except even Malkin has collectors. They, I, there's... A couple of accounts that come to mind on Instagram who who showcase their Malkin cards, but yeah, overshadowing is a it's an issue and it, it's almost an un, unfair uh, disadvantage that a lot of players have hobby wise. Um, 
Mike Kemmel, Darlene is great. Uh, yeah, we did that one. Hockey cards up, boys. Great show. Love that you're both doing this. Love the Gong Show too. How could you not? Thank you, Hockey Cards Up. Joel says, with Bedard coming to the league next year, my fears upper deck will let the printing machines run 24-7. I think you're going to see the biggest production run uh, ever next year with Connor Bedard. I think that that's a good business move for upper deck. And I think that the hobby will, will eat that stuff up, just like we did with McDavid in 2015-16. Uh, but what, what an opportunity, Jeremy, for the NHL. That's what I'm most interested in. Here you have this, this kid who, and just what I've observed in my personal life, is, is a transcendent character, meaning the people that don't love and follow the NHL or don't collect hockey cards, they've heard the name Connor Bedard. They can't screw this up right? They've got to really get behind marketing these players, marketing their personality. And not only do you have Bedard, but you have a all-time great in McDavid who's doing things from a production standpoint that hasn't been done in, what, 25, 30 years. You have a whole other crop of young. You've got Trevor Zegras, who you go and you watch any youth hockey highlight where you have kids flipping pucks over net and eight-year-olds trying Michigan goals. Right. And then all it's the common says is the, the Zegris effect. Right. The NHL has to understand that this is a player driven league. And I, I think that they're the, the our league gets so constrained by the heritage of the teams. We get it. The the, the heritage for the Montreal Canadiens is amazing. The, the Maple Leafs heritage is amazing, but that's not what drives eyeballs to sports. Right. You look at any sport that's that's growing right now. It's about the players and the NHL has to put the teams aside and start to shine the spotlight on the players. That's the only way. And they have such an amazing opportunity right now. And that's why looking at like the TV ratings and how maybe the All-Star game went and some of these things are just really disappointing. There is a tremendous opportunity if the NHL can start marketing their players better uh, in the south of the border, like or or you know in your in your neck of the woods. I I agree with you completely. Okay, Guy Incognito collects Zdeno Chera. There's a, a great defenseman sure. for sure. Hockey Cards Up says it's been confirmed. Upper Deck is printing thirty thousand young guns and hobby boxes this year alone. Thoughts? So I think you're referring to uh, Aaron Lapper's uh, Aaron Lapointe's video. And the only thing I'll say to that is that the numbers don't tell the whole story, even based on what Aaron put out there. And I watched his video, but there are other factors that come into play. Uh, for, for example, just because it says what it says there doesn't mean that that's the full production run. They also make extras. They make extras for backups and for customer uh, service and, and replacement. So the number is, I think Aaron is probably pretty close in his analysis, but it's, um, I don't know that that's that we can say it's been confirmed just because some math was run. All that said, if he is right and they are printing no less than 30,000 young guns and hobby boxes this year alone, uh, thought my thoughts are, um, actually it's lower than I thought. I thought that the McDavid year was about 75 to 100,000 McDavid uh, young guns altogether. So if they're only doing 35,000 or 30,000 in this year's um, series one, series two, whichever one that, that came from, um, I'm not that bent out of shape about it. You know, if they started serially numbering them, I think they tank in value, but they don't serially number them. And that's because, <laughs> because they know that that's not, not the right play for them. 
Let's keep on going. We got a lot of comments here. Matt says, looks like I'll be saving tonight's PWCC funds for the Burbank show. Be there on Friday. Let's cross our fingers for some 50s and 60s hockey. Matt, I will see you there and we'll see what happens. And I don't know, has PWCC made any further announcements on the status of the auction? Are they suspending it? I'm watching, guys. I'm watching on my other screen to see if their site, you know, comes back online. But so far, it is still down. And that's why if you've joined us late, we are not talking about the PWCC auction right now because the site is down at the moment. Josh Sherber says, Brent Burns loved him while in Minnesota and was so happy to see him flourish once he left. Yeah, he had a great career in San Jose. Uh, for sure. Now I believe he is in Carolina. Someone asked right here, Mike says, who do you guys think uh, is the best player to collect in Carolina? I was going to say Brent Burns, but I'd actually say Aho or Svechnikov. I think both those guys have very bright futures, even though they're you know a few years into their career. Josh, who do you think is the best player to collect on the Carolina Hurricanes? I'll get to that, but Brent Burns trade, worst trade in wild history. Bar none. So just had to get that out there. It's cathartic, Jeremy, to get off your chest sometimes I, I, these things. Good, I, I would go Svechnikov because he's so young. Uh, the thing that really stinks about the Carolina situation, and hey, listen, even though we're the state of hockey, we're still pretty small potatoes from a hockey market. It's just the market. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those markets where I just don't think that the, especially even too, given how they're playing, that there isn't a lot of hype or you don't get a lot of help from the market. JG says, so the Red Wings, it's it's Larkin, Cider, and Raymond. Who gets the most hobby love? I couldn't even answer that myself. From what I see, it's Larkin. I mean, that's what I've seen historically, but I'm 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 looking at a you know a six-year window, not a, a 12-month window. Josh has probably taken a, a shorter look, yeah. so I'll defer this question to Josh. He'll he'll have a much more current view to this. It's Mo Cider and for all intents and purposes, his second season has been kind of a disaster so far. Now he is playing late and there were, we talked about, there was an interesting article that we found that where they switched his defensive partner this year. And the hypothesis was that I think it was, um, Sherratt was, was playing with them for the first, I don't know, 40 games of the year. And their expected goal shares was like way under what it was supposed to be. And now I think Jacob Wallman, they switched him with, and he's playing much better. But my thought on that is if you're going to be a transcendent defenseman, it doesn't matter who you're paired with. You got to rise above it. And I'm not, we're not anti-Mo Sider. It's just that you have to objectively say it hasn't been a good follow-up to his Calder winning campaign. But I think that too. So between him and Raymond, whoever can score more goals and put up more points is probably, you know, Larkin, from a height perspective, has just been around too much and hasn't achieved what you needs to get into that upper echelon or top tier. Thank you for that, Josh. Uh, Mike Kemmel says, love your Malkin comment. I'm glad someone else is saying it. I have been for years, ex- especially how good the team with him was while Crosby was injured. Yeah, yeah, he's carried that team, uh, you know, along with the rest of the lineup. But with with Cros- when Crosby has been hurt in Pittsburgh over the past 15 years. It's not the end of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Malkin is, is has been the second best player in the league for several seasons that Crosby was, was the best. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Mike Kemmel. Daniel wants to know, will it hurt the NHL if Bedard ends up in Arizona? What about if he ends up in Columbus? I don't, okay. Will it hurt the NHL? Like having Bedard in the NHL is only good for the NHL. So the question I think Daniel is, Will it hurt the NHL more 
if he or you know what effect will it have on the NHL if he ends up in one of these like bottom tier fan base teams? And my yes, of course, that's not going to be as good as if he ends up in an original six market, a Canadian market. Um, you know, those are kind of the the I would think the best places for him to end up. But like LA, what if he went to LA? I mean, how's what's that like? Remember. Gretzky went to LA and all of a sudden we've got, you know, 10 new teams in the United States, Bedard in LA, I'd be really happy about Bedard on the Rangers. I'd be really happy about Chicago, Boston. Listen, he's not going to go to Boston. We know that Chicago. I'd be happy about Arizona. Yeah. I wouldn't be so that that's not going to make me feel good about the love that he would get in the hobby. Same thing. If he goes to Columbus, Carolina, another place, I don't know. Um, Buffalo is a better destination for him. Detroit would be a great place for him to go as far as hobby love goes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Hopefully he comes to me in Calgary, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think it, 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 it's not as good for the NHL if he ends up in Arizona or Columbus. Josh, what are your thoughts? Well, I agree with you from a market perspective that L.A. would be good. What I don't like about L.A. or any West Coast team is the time zone, right? If you're in Carolina and you want to see Connor Bedard play, uh, what is it, you know, 9 p.m., 10 o'clock? It's 10 o'clock when the game starts. How does a 12-year-old kid watch Connor Bedard play? So I think that it goes back to now the NHL has a scheduling problem because lots of people watch the Golden State Warriors. And it comes down to these national TV deals here in the U.S. and getting good time slots, having West Coast teams play earlier so more people can see them. But I generally agree with you. I think he, for the game to grow and for the hobby to grow, sorry, Canada, but he, it's best that he plays in the U.S. and in the, mid, in the central or eastern time zone. I think that that's the, if you want to look at it purely objectively and don't use your heart as a fan at all, that's objectively probably what's best for the hobby. Yeah, no, that you're, you're, you're so right about that. The time zone is important. I guess I think about, you know, Gretzky did go to LA and that only grew the, grew hockey in the States, but maybe that was, that was a different time, you know, hard to, hard to make that comparison, I suppose. Uh, but you make a good point, you know, a 12 year old on the, e- on the, in the central time zone, the East coast, how late are they going to be able to stay up to watch Connor Bedard play nowadays? Maybe they're just on their phones or their iPads in bed watching it anyway, or they're watching highlights or subscribing to the NHL network and, and watching it again in bed as they're, you know, when they should be sleeping. I don't know. I still think, you know, LA is a better option than many, but yeah. yeah. The East Coast, you're, you're you're probably right. Would be would be uh, would be better. Cardnock Life says, you know, he needs to land in a big market city. I think the NHL certainly wants that. I know us hobbyists, Upper Deck probably really want Upper Deck wants him to end up in Montreal. That is the best case scenario. It's East Coast. He's in Canada, which is still good. It's Montreal, rabid fan base. I think uh, that that's a good a good a good outcome. I wonder, but but then Chicago. I mean, Chicago has a good shot at them just based on how bad they are right now. Let's keep on going, though, guys. Uh, David G says, "Good evening. Very impressive that you guys have filled the void. Thank you. We're still waiting for the PWCC uh, site to come up. We now are seeing this message for the first time is now coming up. It says we apologize for the interruption. Our website is currently undergoing maintenance and should be back shortly." 
okay, well, I'm glad that uh, that they've uh, they've at least updated what we see on, instead of an error page. And as we do know, they did pop in here about half an hour ago and let us know that they were working mm -hmm. on it. So we will continue to sit here with you guys. Uh, Josh, we have almost 80 people with us, so no point in stopping now. Vintage card collector. Guys, thoughts on Kaprizov long-term? My, I Listen, Josh is the expert on Kaprizov. All I will say before I turn it over to Josh is that he was a rookie at an older age than most rookies were. I forget how old he was, but I'll also call out Tamu Solani, who was 22 in his rookie season and went on to have an amazing Hall of Fame career and break all sorts of rookie scoring records um, and, main, and maintains a high level of hobby love here, you know, 10 years after he retired. Josh, you are keeping your eye. He's your guy, your city, your favorite player on your favorite team. I'm guessing he's your favorite player. Oh, yeah. What do you think long-term uh, as far as Kaprizov goes? Love Kaprizov. If I could adopt him and drive him to practice every day, I would. He has been – he's the first true superstar the Minnesota Wild have ever had. And, yes, I know Marion Gabrick played on our team. Oh, you want to go through the announcement real quick and we'll get back? Yeah, yeah. So, guys, I just saw this. PWCC, thankful to them, put this here in our chat three minutes ago saying that we will push the auction back 24 hours. All access extended bidding will start at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific tomorrow night. So basically the same thing that was they were planning to do tonight. All bids will remain intact from when the site went down. So unfortunate for anyone who is planning to do their bidding tonight. And I guess, you know, hope everyone is available tomorrow to, uh, to, to bid on these items as well. Josh and I will have to have a discussion to see if we are going to be able to come back and do some of this tomorrow night. As of right now, I am likely able to. Got to talk to my wife. Josh, what about you? Uh, we can talk offline as well, but um, tomorrow I'll night. I'll talk night. to my boss as well, and we'll see where that, but I think there's a good chance. All right. Appreciate that. Well, but let's get through. We got comments here, guys, and uh, I'm good to keep on going and talking to everybody here. and having some fun interaction. So uh, Tito says he'll end up in Chai in, in Chi-Town. I used to call it Chi-Town. And then my buddy said, no, it's not. It, how do you say it? Did you say Chicago? Chi. I know. Chi. I'm like, you, you got to let me though. My boy, Kaprizov. I got interrupted. I, oh, I'll sorry. be quick. I promise I'll be Kaprizov. quick. I'll be go quick. But I can't, I can't let this go. Uh, you're right. He, he was a 2015 draft class. He then played in the KHL for a number of years. He's 24. When he went to the NHL, that doesn't help. Uh, but he is everything to the wild. You do, you can't appreciate what he does in the box scores. And honestly, Jeremy, he gets very little help from a point production standpoint from his team. The the wild have Sam Steele, and I, I'm sorry to all the Sam Steele collectors out there. I know there's a lot of you, but centering his line with Zuccarello, and Zuccarello has been really good for him. They have good chemistry. They need to upgrade him there. The other thing that I think is most amazing about Kaprizov is his passing. He puts the most insane pucks on people's sticks, and his teammates are never ready for it. The guy should have 40% more points than he does because the his teammates blow goals that he literally puts the puck on a silver platter for them, and they just can't bury it. So, And as far as a long-term perspective, I think the – the age thing is going to hurt him and ultimately what he's able to produce if the wild can win, which, you know, this is Minnesota, that never happens. And the, whether, I don't know how 
people believe on the whole Russian kind of factor. But uh, I don't buy into that as much, but some people do. I, I like to see, I like the chemistry he's built with Matt Zuccarello. Those two seem to be uh, really just in gel, gelling with each other, uh, seem to have a great energy there. But thank you for those insights. And uh, yeah, 24 is a rookie. That's old. He's not like an 18-year-old who came in and lit it up in his rookie year. He's had six years of experience to get there. And that's, at the end of the day, his long-term isn't as long-term as a, as a, a standard yeah. rookie. So keep that in mind, Vintage Card Collector. TDOT says hockey's entrenched with hubs in winter climates. Yeah, it's a mostly a, a northern sport. Jeff McMahon says, and he's got, notice the Red Wings logo in his in his uh, avatar says if larkin resigns here he'll jump up again yeah i would think so larkin larkin was like the number two guy behind uh mcdavid in the 15 16 rookie class so that makes sense goes on to say cider has been much better the past few months kevin says i completely forgot about the auction because the conversation is so damn good glad you're enjoying it kevin jake says pwc loaded back up and then uh, i guess just went down for 24 hours 450 says, imagine if Young Gun's price on release date, if he, imagine his Young Gun's price on release date, if he ends up with a Habs, thousand bucks all day long, right? I, I remember Lafreniere was at $400 out of the gate, USD. I would say Bedard is at least a thousand dollars out of the gate if uh, if he ends up with the Habs. If Maybe you pull one, anyway, it might not even you, matter where he ends up. If you pull one, sell it. Because like we talked about, we know that they're going to print a lot of them. We know that they're going to be easily replaceable and people are going to go completely bananas. Uh, we just talked about it. $2,100 for a second year CHL sticker auto. That's not numbered. Right. So the, the, the market is going to be insane and uh, there's no way that you won't buy that card cheaper in the next off season, unless he scores, you know, hundred goals his first year, which. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if he if he has a hundred, if he does forty goals, hundred points, those values could could maintain. They could stay where they are. I mean, Connor McDavid, as far as I can remember, never really came down in value between like twenty sixteen, early sixteen, until ever really. Maybe some dips with the market in the last year or so, but. Those cards are, you know, the, these generational guys. What has like Crosby and Ovechkin? We've seen that we've seen peaks and valleys with their cards. Crosby, especially when he got hurt and would be out for, you know, the majority of a season. Obviously, the values are going to come down. You know, watch, watch what happens with Steph Curry over the next couple of weeks. Now that he's out for a few weeks. Another big factor is going to be whether Upper Deck tries to put him in Series One or Series Two. My guess is Series Two. But if you've looked at the last couple of years, the gem rate. Right, so the amount of cards that when they're submitted to grading that gem has been dramatically different between series one and series two. You look at like Cole Caulfield, the Trevor Zegers from last year, at like thirty percent and twenty-seven percent versus Cider and Raymond that are in the upper sixties, almost seventy percent gem rate. And so you get built-in scarcity by the print quality of the cards, depending on the series that they end up in and what that overall gem rate is. And so. Probably the the best thing for a Bedard long-term value it, it wouldn't be as fun for collectors trying to grade and flip right away would be to have one of those lower gem rates. If it's 70%, I don't see that. I don't see any way values can hold high over, over the long run. 
Yeah, fair, fair comments, Jim Ray. Pretty important to consider. Uh, Mike at Eastridge says Columbus would produce sick patches if that's where uh, where Bedard ended up. He's already sold out the Saddle Dome. Uh, yeah, for the the minor league game here. Um, I, I heard about that. I'm not going, but I definitely heard about it. Uh, LGC says uh, for me to prepare to go to Toronto next February, I can see Steve Menzi putting on an early expo for the All Star Game. I wonder if uh, I wonder if that would be the case. I know that the All Star, the NHL has done card shows for during the All Star Game, and I don't know that they would partner with Menzi to do it, you know, in Mississauga. So I don't see that happening. LGC, I, I I don't think that would happen. But hey, prove me wrong. I mean, it's just just my personal uh, thoughts at the moment. Uh, we, Colin Murray says LA is in ninth place. He ain't going there. No, I never thought he would go there. It just meant like if he were to, you know, that would be like an, I, I would think a pretty ideal destination, maybe not the, the optimal, but ideal still hockey barn, Bedard to the Habs. Love to see that for sure. I'm going to go down to, uh, Oh, we're almost there. So never mind. We'll just go in order here. Mike Kemmel says why national treasure set in 2013 gets so little love. RCs are just like cup, but cost are, well, it's probably because it's the only year they ever did it. Mike. And, you know, brand equity is is a thing in our hobby and uh there was only one year of national treasures hockey personally i love the cards i agree they're beautiful upper deck premier collection kind of picked up where that left off they look very similar and uh it's almost too bad that there's not equity in national treasures because of premier but in any or is it prime or premier it's premier yeah premier yeah uh hockey card says cider over raymond because of his personality both are going to put up numbers they are young very fair comment daniel says i think bedard ends up in chicago that would be great i agree joel thank you so much appreciating you uh sticking around zuka uh, tito says zuccarello is amazing caprizov is the russian mcdavid fair comment. yeah and, and malkin's the russian crosby and uh dry the german mcdavid and all those things right Basement break says a good comparable for Caprizov is Panarin. No, I always thought so. Actually, Josh, what do you think? Is 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 Panarin a good comparable for Caprizov? Both. Well, I, in, ho- I hope not. <laughs> from a hobby perspective, older, they were both older rookies, right? Yeah, yeah. From a from a hobby perspective, maybe you know, I think that that is is good. Uh, again, I think when you watch him, though, is you know, a couple of things on Caprizov is. He's a small guy in the 5'10", but he's 205 pounds, and he's so strong. If there's a battle along the boards, more than nine times out of ten, he comes away with the puck. He is everything to this team. He's their primary setup man. He's their finisher, their closer. I I personally think he's better than Panarin. I I just don't think he – I think that the Wild have to find a better center for him, that it's just killing them not to have, you know – a guy like Sam Steele, who's not a horrible hockey player. He just shouldn't be centering a line with Kaprizov and, and Zuccarello. But basement breaks, it, it's a fair comparison. Yeah, it might be the best one out there right now, but you yeah, you certainly uh, bring some additional layers. And I'm a that. homer, so there you go. Yeah, Take that with a grain of salt, too. That's all right. Tito says, unless you are fishing for rarity on Bedard, not sure what that's about. Good evening, Mitch Grotman in the house. What's going on? T-Dot says, was watching the 72-73 OPG logo cards on eBay booming. Now Islanders fetched $740 plus. Daniel says, Jeremy, has Steve toyed? That being Steve Menzies owns the expo. Has Steve toyed with the idea of doing three shows in Toronto every four months? Not that I'm aware of, Daniel. Um, not that I'm aware of. 
Mike Kemmel says Bedard can end up, end up in LA. Anaheim is LA. Fair comment. I mean, he yeah. it's, it's possible, definitely. Tito says, watch how they play. He's a mini McDavid. I think he's talking about uh Caprizov. Yeah, and that I agree with that, T Dot. He's uh as as Josh just said, he's there everything. He's got skill, speed, hockey sense. I mean, Caprizov's a great player. Will he stay in the NHL for 10 more years? Will he go home to Russia, maybe where he's more comfortable? Will he stay healthy? Will he have a will he have talent surrounding him to keep him at the at the upper end of his potential and producing and being on the hobby's radar? All very tough questions. I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not in investing in Kirill Kaprizov. I think he's a wonderful player, but I'm not, I'm not investing in any any young player really. So uh, that yeah. shouldn't take you by surprise. Don't don't make you think that 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 means something when I say that. It just means that I, there's other players I would probably be investing in. Now collecting is a bit different. If you're collecting Kaprizov because you love watching him play. Maybe you're a wild fan. Maybe you're a fan of Russian-born players, whatever it might be, or you just love his style. By all means, collect his cards because that will help you enjoy being his fan longer. Cards are a, are, are a way, I find, at least for, for us card collectors, Josh, card collecting is a way to have more at stake in the games you're watching. It's like, it's like betting on sports. You're going to be 100%. more into it if you have money on the line. Well, Having money in a card of a player who's in a game or you know competing for the Stanley Cup that adds a huge level of excitement. So go for it, I would say. Uh, Mitch says Bedard to Chicago would be a nightmare for those of us worried about patch swapping. <laughs> yeah, that's well, it would be Mitch, but this is a great opportunity for guys like you and me to put the pressure to upper deck to say do- document every single. Bedard patch that ever comes out of your factory or your your third party vendors factory. We want to see images of these before they they get packed out. I mean, they they're going to have to do that. This might be this might be the tipping point, Mitch, on what uh, for them to actually make an archive public to the hobby to see what patches are uh, legitimate and which ones are not. So love the comment, Mitch. And um, if he ends up there, this could be one of those things that le- it could be like a a, a, not even a blessing in disguise. I think it's a blessing if he ends up in Chicago, original six city, big fan base, et cetera, et cetera. But if from a hobby perspective, there could be additional blessings beside it being good for the strength of the hockey card hobby. It could also be good in terms of uh, changing the way upper deck protects its consumers in the long run. Hey, Jeremy, Josh from Minnesota has a question too for you. Do you think that the fake cards in general is going to be a particular problem with Connor Bedard next year. I mean, what, by fake cards, what do you mean? Like a counterfeit cards or counterfeit fake cards? cards or, you know, just, yeah, the whole gamut. How big of an issue is that going to be where there is money? There yeah. is, there are nefarious uh, characters, right? Bad actors. So yeah, it, it, it probably will be, maybe they'll try and knock off an upper deck young gun or an SB Authentic Future Watch and, and add a, a counter, uh, you know, a, a fake uh, auto on there. Um, or maybe just unautograph, non-autograph cards, maybe simple paper cards like the Baso Peachy could be a, a target for counterfeiting. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I think that the I think that the grading companies are going to have to be on their on their toes to 
be able to determine if a card is 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 a counterfeit or not. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I yeah, don't I would know. think IP autos would be what I would be most wary of as a collector. Any raw card that doesn't have a manufacturer auto on it, you have to be really, really careful of that. Yeah, and the the saving grace there is that in IP or in-person autos of players who also have pack-pulled autos are not that hotly pursued by current hobbyists. It's more of a, I want to, I want to get it for myself and keep it in my collection. If I'm then going to go sell it on a public marketplace, the, uh, the people that are buying those are often going to be not hardcore collectors. I don't think they're, they might be new people who are, would have a very bad experience if they bought a fake or counterfeit auto, uh, a counterfeit in-person auto. The nice thing about the today's hobby is that there are pack pulled manufacturer authenticated autographs and those are that i would i would never buy an in-person autograph of a player who has a pack pulled autograph like in modern day off of uh somebody i don't know no i mean, i get that and you wouldn't do that because you've been doing this for so long and you know so much the part that worries me is that because Connor Bedard, I think, has the ability to bring a bunch of new collectors into the hobby. And just like you said, right, if somebody sees a, oh, here's a Bedard autograph card on eBay for $450, all the other autograph cards I'm seeing are $2,000. I'm going to go and snatch this up. And that is part of their early experience into the hobby. And you know, then to find out a day, a week, a month later that you got duped, that that that's a tough thing. And I think that actually, as I'm kind of thinking through this, as we're talking, this is where primarily to like the eBay authenticity guarantee is probably a good, and I know PWCC uses Mike Baker authentication and having these layers of protection that service providers are starting to build in the hobby is probably a good thing and should help in that regard. You're right. You, you make a great call. I didn't think of that, that, you know, that authentication thing might be uh, very helpful. Um, for and PWCC with Mike Baker. And I don't know if Mike Baker authenticates autographs or I don't even know if PWCC okay. will sell an, in, an IP auto. I would caution them probably not to unless they have an yeah. autograph authenticator on staff. And I don't think Mike Baker is that guy. I think he's a card mm -hmm. authenticator, but uh, it's a card knock life, says Jeremy is the Canadian David Letterman just without the beard. Thank you very much. It's a card knock life. Josh Sherber says, uh, Josh, being from Minnesota, do you follow? Ottinger at all, even though he's in Dallas. If so, thoughts? I know goalies are not the greatest investment. I'm going to take this one first, Josh, which is go for it. Ottinger is my pick for a goalie to to collect. I I think I think he's the I think he's going to be the best goalie in the league. I think you know you're going to have him. You have Shesterkin. There's some other guys coming up. Ottinger is my pick. I watched him play very closely, and uh, I think he's the next great goalie. So there you go, Josh Sherber. Those are my thoughts. What about you? Josh Madigan. Okay, so I'll couple of see here, uh, Farmington. Oh, where is it? Farmington. Uh, that, that's where. Uh, that's where I live. Uh, Andre's a Farmington boy here in the uh, Twin Cities suburbs. He did play his high school hockey at our Lakeville South, which is about four miles away from us. And you listen, Troy is our goalie expert. Troy is a very a level five, I believe, goalie coach. Uh, one of the biggest high school programs in the state here uh, where high school hockey is everything. And we're big Ottinger fans. He's huge. He's um, got, you know, really great technically 
and he's young for a goalie. You know, the interesting thing about goalies, Jeremy, that I've learned from Troy is that they peak at a lot later age than a skater would. And because uh, really goalie, the position is as much of a math position as it is an athletic position. It's being in, you know, the, using the geometry, having really good technique, building up that strength so you can have your up and down, left and right quickness. But yeah, you know, and one of the things that we talked about with the cup coming out soon is from for 2020 is you have both Ottinger and, and Sorokin who Sorokin, I think the stat that everyone was talking about last week was he's for any goalie that started more than a hundred games, his shutout rate is like 12 and a half percent or something like that, which is the highest of all time. So you have a couple really young, and there's some other ones we can mention too, but in particular, Anger and Sorokin, those are the goalies that uh, we're most interested in right now. Yeah, and so when I said and there's some other guys, Sorokin was one that I was I was actually thinking of. I want to just make a comment about the shutout rate. There was a period of time, I think the goalie's name was, was it Brian Boucher? Played for the Arizona or the Phoenix Coyotes at the time. And I think he had like five shutouts in a row and his cards went wild. You know, sure. now he's now people don't even know who he is. So the shutout stat is going to be very short-lived. It's, just, you know, it's it's a yeah. streak. It's a run he's on. It's definitely not going to last. But uh, but doesn't mean he's not a great goaltender. I don't know. As my, I haven't watched him play as closely as Ottinger, but Ottinger is my pick. Uh, I'm, I've am i got some of his cards, and I don't collect a lot of young guys' cards. I don't buy them to – I don't prospect. But, you know, i got to pick – got to pick one, one – once in a while, a player comes across my radar that I really like, and Ottinger is that guy for me right now. <laughs> And if I could throw in a, a, just a, a tiny plug, because I think it's worth it. On our last Thursday show, uh, we, we do a mailbag session. And somebody asked Troy, as a goalie coach, what makes an elite goalie elite? And he did an amazing breakdown of really sort of the fine-tuned elements and techniques and attributes that truly elite goalies have. And I, I think it's worth a listen, uh, Joshua, if that's something that you're interested in. And you can see on the ticker right now, Listen to the Hockey Cards Gong Show on all podcast platforms. Uh, Mitch here says Boucher had a five and a half game straight uh, shutout run in 04. Crazy run. Jake Dahl remembers that Boucher shutout streak. Yeah, I remember it pretty well myself. Daniel goes on to say, I think uh, goalies get a lot of hobby love. And yeah, I mean, Patrick Wall gets a ton of love. Martin Brodeur does. Uh, he's uh, he's underappreciated for what he's done, but. Waugh gets it, Dominic Hassett gets it, Ken Dryden gets it, Jacques Plant gets it, Glenn Hall gets it. Uh, I mean, Carey Price, lots of Carey Price cards sell Wait. every month. Carey Price is is probably the most overappreciated player in the in hockey cards, in my opinion. Um, but he gets a ton of hobby love. Why? Because he plays for the Montreal Canadiens. That's a yeah. huge, huge reason why. Daniel goes on to say at least vintage uh, goalie cards do. Uh, yeah, vintage. I think it's coming out February 22nd, I believe, is what I've seen. Josh, is that what you're hearing as well? There's a lot. There's Well, so one of the things we always look at is the clearest indicator when a set is coming out is Upper Deck publishes the checklist. And I haven't checked in the last five or six hours, and it is not out yet. But there's so much chatter right now that I really believe that the 22nd is, a, is the date. And, uh, you know, I'm looking out to see if pigs are flying because is it really actually happening? It, it looks like that might be the case. Uh, and then I think that in early March, probably around March 8th, we'll have Series 2. 
So it's going to be a big, uh, you know, month next month for the hockey hobby. Mike Kemmel says opinion on collecting very rare rookie cards of sets like synergy and SP game used. Mike, this is, this is a great question. I'm going to talk about synergy for a moment uh, because the rookie cards are very short printed. This would go for a lot of, um, I think this question is also a good question. If you were to ask it about certain parallels and inserts of cards, um, but let's just focus on the two you're asking about. So I think, my opinion is a strong, I have a strong, I have a favorable opinion for these things. I think that there is um, good potential if you're collecting these and you're thinking about future value. A couple of reasons. Number one, Synergy is like coming into its fifth year, I believe. So it's gonna ha- it's gaining uh, brand equity. Um, so that's one thing. Number two, the rookie cards are very rare, especially the true base ones, the clear ones. So I, those are the ones that I would favor. Uh, number three, it's not highly loved right now. Synergy does not get a ton of love by the hobby. And that is a long-term win. When something like that happens down the road, people start to come back. So it, it can be, you could have a long and arduous road doing that because you're going to have to go through periods where the product is, people aren't loving it. You might be loving it, but not everybody else is. And the values might not be up right away or where you want them to be. But I could see down the road, and I mean like 10 years down the road, where people look back and say, oh, that Synergy card, his rookie card was out of 9 or 18 or 10 or 20, whatever the year it was. That could end up being one of their best cards of their rookie year. If you're talking about the, you know, the, the more, ma- the more, uh, the higher print run parallels in the, in that set, not as much so, but you called out Synergy, which has very low print run. And SP Game Use, I think you're calling that one out too, Mike, because the rookie cards, the true rookies are numbered to the player's jersey number. I think that those cards, they got a ton of love at the beginning. I mean, McDavid's goes for a lot of money. I think that you're, I think you're honing in on a couple of real sort of uh, rookie cards that I think are savvy. I think those are savvy rookie cards to pick up of players. I really like the Synergy ones. And I love Synergy because it's that die-cut acetate or die-cut cardboard with foil finishing on a on an acetate background. I love that, what they call technology card. So I'm all over. I like it. I prefer it to SP Game Used aesthetically. I think they're super cool, super underappreciated by the hobby right now. And... Um, I don't think I own any Synergy rookies right now, so I'm not trying to pump anything I own. Those are my thoughts on that. And that same thing goes for SB Game Use. I don't own a single one. I have one. It's actually in the drawer for my friend, so I'm not keeping it. But, um, yeah, I think that's a good question, and I like them. Josh, any comments on Synergy and SB Game Use? I agree with a lot of what you're saying on Synergy, and just overall, trust your aesthetic, right? I think that if, if you want to build value in the hobby, if that's one of your goals, that you're going to, in the long run, do it, have much more success buying cards that you just think are awesome, that you think are cool, that might be scarce versus chasing Connor Bedard Young Guns is, to, to your point, Jeremy, that over the long haul, that that will, will work out. Uh, Synergy is a really fun rip. It's pretty cheap. It's about $100 US for a hobby box. Tons of numbered cards, like you said. Not a lot of autos. So it, it's more on the, there are autos, but it, but not quite as many. I am a big fan in general of game used. I did was not a huge fan of this last edition that came out, I believe in, in December and primarily what I don't, one thing I don't understand about game used is there's actually very little game used patches in there. Artifacts 
has more game used patches than SP game used does. And so why is it called game used, right? Even like the draft day marks and game used, which are awesome, are manufactured patches, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so that, that, that's my one kind of critique on, on, on game used, but, but in general, really kind of cool, interesting cards. Yeah. SP game used has sort of lost its way in where there are, you know, non-game used. There shouldn't be a single non-game used product in a call in a product called SP game oh, used. I couldn't opinion. agree more. Yeah. Um, but Hey, that's uh, you know, there's, there's other constraining factors that come into play. It's a card knock life says IP autographs can be certified by PSA or Beckett or JSA and others. I mean, yes, they can be. I still just, I don't see any reason to to buy a secondhand in-person autograph of a player who has, you know, pack pulled autographs, unless you can't, unless it's, well, okay, I can't think of some reasons. Number one, they're more affordable. But number two, even if they're certified, like certification is not a guarantee. It's, it's you know, it's an opinion that the that the autograph is real. Um, so I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of them. But the other thing, I, I have a buddy who collect, who super collects a player and he will buy every in-person auto on a card of that player because it's he wants every like potential card out there so there are reasons uh but none for me personally so um i just we'll, we'll move we'll move along patrick o'connell thoughts on patrick kane's market long term will mostly like most likely go down as the greatest american modern hockey player ever patrick i agree now is probably the best time to buy patrick kane you will ever find because his values are are low because he his team sucks you know, his partner in crime, Jonathan Taves, has taken a beating value-wise, hobby-wise, even though he's a shoe-in Hall of Famer. I agree, Patrick Kane will go down as a top three U.S.-born player of all time, maybe the best. And I think he, he's going I think he's going to be remembered that way. He's got Stanley Cups. So I think long-term, now's probably the time to be buying Patrick Kane if you want to, you know, capitalize on a dip in value. Uh, Joshua Sherber, you are welcome. Alan S. Ed Belfour needs more love. I love it. Eddie Belfour. Yeah, Eddie the Eagle. I mean, there's there was a guy who won the Vezina and the Calder Trophy in the same year. Yeah, I think I think he's part of the reason why they changed the rules on how old you had to. Or no, that was Sergey Makarov won the rookie won the Calder Trophy as a rookie at the age of like 28 or 30 for the Calgary Flames. Terry Sawchuk gets a ton of hobby love, especially in the vintage, especially his 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 like original vintage cards. Hockey Barn says Jagger scored his 1,099th Pro League goal today, overtaking Gretzky's record of 1,098. That is that is a big deal. That's a big deal. Jagger will go down as one of the greatest of all time. Uh, T. Dot says Patrick Wall rookie Opeachy gets tons of hobby, uh, tons of bids. Yes, it does. Let's not forget the Vezina rookie. It's a crazy Grail card. Yes, it is from the 1911 C55 series. Mike Hemmel picked up two Svechnikovs out of nine and a Suzuki out of 10 from Synergy. Oh, Mike, I love it. Mike, I love it. Like, I really love that. I really love those pickups, both of them. I love the Suzuki pick. I like Suzuki as a player. Uh, we know Josh likes Svechnikov. I do too like Svechnikov in Carolina. Those are great pickups, Mike. I'm, I'm very, very happy. You pulled the 37 to 37 auto. I, I hate, I hate the autographs on Synergy. I, I hate them. I said, why are you ruining the cards with autographs? Because we need hits. Yeah, but you're ruining the cards. It's such a short-term way of thinking, in my opinion. Just don't like them. Sorry for getting ex excited there, guys. I just I just don't I don't like autographs on acetate cards. And even synergy is acetate combination with, with stock. 
just don't like it. Just don't like it at all. I don't like them on prism type cards. I don't like them on Opeachy platinum. Leave Rook. Ah, just don't like them. Josh, talk me down from this. No, I agree with you. It's like, I would rather have go back to seismic gold, which might be not like the hockey card of the year. Right. So you go back to the card that has seen the biggest gains or been uh, chase and value over the past year. And I greatly prefer the non-auto version versus the auto version. And it's kind of funny, a, a well-known uh, Canadian collector told me that that's like an American thing, right? That Americans like their shiny cards. And and of course we wouldn't want the auto on it. So I don't know, I'll ask you, is, is that kind of a, a national perspective or um, was that an oversimplification maybe? I don't know. Honestly, it's a, for me, it's a, my perspective. I don't know yeah. if, uh, you know, I, I see right here. I mean, Daniel right here says agree autos on acetate is gross. I mean, that's, those are my thought autos on refractors. Like these cards are beautiful in their own right. To me, I say to upper deck and Thompson Panini, well, you know, upper deck, cause that's where I, I would buy more of my modern day cards. Don't ruin them with these autographs. They just take away the cards aren't aren't designed for autographs in most cases, especially if you have to put a sticker on there. I mean, I'd just peel that thing off if I if I was gonna have a card for my personal collection. Not really. I'll just sell it and buy something else. But I don't know if it's a national perspective down there up here. I think it's just an aesthetic thing. These cards, they they can carry themselves based on the aesthetics. When a card is not designed to have an autograph, please don't slap one on there just to give the group breakers an extra hit. Now, maybe this isn't the way, maybe I'm not thinking with my upper deck business hat on, and I'm probably not because I'm a collector. I want cards I like to look at. I There's not a single autograph in, in, in Opeachy Platinum nor in Synergy that I want in my collection. Not a single card. Like I would just, yeah. I'd, I'd rather they didn't put it on there. Well, I have a couple of comments on that. First of all, you're spot on because we've heard this from Upper Deck directly that it's a, it, people freak out and they don't want to buy hobby boxes that don't include an auto, right? That that from the general collector perspective, that that is makes up a large part of that value. And I think like again, I'll go back to OPG Platinum. If you're familiar with like an orange checkers or seismic gold or red prism, to make the auto visible, they have to dull the card. And, and, and so because it's an on, I believe they're on card autos. Uh, I think I'm right on that. But they, yeah. uh, you know, so for a third, well, maybe 20% of the card to fit that auto in, they kind of white it out and dull it. And it just kind of takes away from the shiny vibe that the card has. It's not what the card was meant to be, in my opinion. And I mean, listen, I'm not the designer or creator, but it's, uh, you know, a lot of, Upper Deck started inserting a lot of new inserts. They started coming up with a lot of new insert concepts, a lot of new acetate cards. Back in the, you know, towards the, the like 2012 to 14 period of time. A lot of it because there was so much success with the Fleer Retro brand that came out in 12, 13, I believe it was. And I thought that was great. And the reason why they did that is because there was so much of a rejuvenated interest in inserts from the late 90s in all sports. And Upper Deck caught wind of this. And I remember having discussions with them back then. They said they, they told me directly, we're going to start doing more inserts and more acetate. You're going to see it. This came right from Grant Sandground, Billy Celio, like the people who are making these decisions. And they were based on these cards that weren't autographed. But now, like you said, they need the hits and the breakers want, a, want an autograph. Yeah, but half of these autographs are worth $1.99. 
more than half of them end up being worth $1.99. So yeah, a group breaker can dramatize the autograph coming out of the box. But if it's of some player that, that where again, again, that autograph, you're not going to want to pay the shipping on it to get it to your house. Uh, and it's not worth a, a, a vendor at a car show putting in their showcase because that's valuable real estate. Who cares? I mean, it's for that one second it comes out of a pack on a live group break that the group breakers get to jump up and down. But at the end of the day, the card is worth a lot less with that autograph on it because people don't want it for their collection. So if they really want to, you know, if, if they want to, I think, appeal to collectors and have long-term value in mind, which they should, um, I would just eliminate it and find another way to give value to the group breakers through some other mechanism or just, you know, randomly see it, a whole a, a, an off-design card in those boxes with an autograph on it. But don't put autographs on Prism and shiny cards like Platinum. Or design the card around it having an auto. Like that's one of the reasons why I love Exquisite so much is that you can tell that the card is meant to have an autograph right and it's designed with that in mind so it doesn't take away from the aesthetic of the card and having the autograph there the autograph complements the design of the card okay good heavy says personally i don't like autos on cards because a lot of players don't care about how their auto looks it's just a random scribble now for many players agreed that's just that's just the way it is that's a fact larry up here says and welcome says overall metal universe pmgs are undervalued for hockey compared to marvel and older football and basketball PMGs. Larry, my comment to that is the reason being is that in hockey, we've now had, what, seven different years with PMGs, whereas basketball has had two and football has had two. I mean, I'm talking about the 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 gem the gem PMGs, the rubies, yeah. the the emeralds, the those ones. I mean, the greens, the reds, those have only ever come out twice in basketball. And, and one was the retro series, not even professional league. So uh, there's reasons being. So I think there's just more. We got to spread out the value across the hockey ones more so than you do across the basketball, the football. And I'm not sure how many have been out in Marvel. I think it's more than one at this point. But that's what I think. That's why I think that is happening. Um, so but I'm sure there's a few other, uh, you know, factors that are contributing to it. Have you poked at the uh, or taken a look at the February PWCC premiere auction yet and noticed yeah. that there's a big PMG in there? Uh, is that the gold one of one? It's Matthews? the gold. Yeah. Austin Matthews gold one of one from 2020 Skybox. And what's significant about that card is the last time prior to 2020, PMGs weren't produced or were most uh were, were produced in 2015 so it's the first matthews pmg it's the retro which is going to give it more value and it's the one-on-one so that's a big austin matthews card in the premier auction yeah i saw it last that was a I, I have it favorited so i can be keeping tabs on i think it's a seven or eight thousand dollars it was up to when i last looked uh speaking about autographs on cards that they shouldn't be on mitch says i saw an alexander ovechkin ice rookie at a 99 sign today I saw this too, Mitch. Authenticated by PSA, broke my heart. Yeah, that to me, all that does is reduce is, is reduce the population or the print run of that card from 99 to 98. And um, as far as copies that I would want, I mean, I don't need, again, there are so many Ovechkin cards that have autographs, rookies included, ultimate, SP authentic, SP game used. There's a few more. I mean, 
there's enough opportunities to get an autographed Alexander Ovechkin rookie or just his autograph. Why would you take a card that is a, a very important card? The 0506 ice is a very important uh, year of ice, if not the most, if not the only important, but the, the most important. And um, yeah, I would never have put an autograph on there. Now it'll still get some value, but yeah, I hear you, Mitch. Not something I'd like to see. I got a question for you there, Jeremy. Do you think ever think that adding your cards that have, impersonados like the one Mitch is describing where they add an inscription that is kind of a cool or meaningful inscription. Does that ever add an element for you or no? No, it has the opposite inscriptions to me ruin a card, you know, for example, and here's why, I mean, it depends on the inscription. You know, if, if this is a, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar tall boy rookie, like the Lou Alcindor rookie tall boy that where he lists out all of his accomplishments, that becomes more of a, a, a memento it's it's a it, it loses the rookie card uh angle for me and it becomes just a whole other collectible i know it's extreme i'm going from hockey to basketball vint, modern to vintage but i just want to get that point across if you're because i've seen them with huge inscriptions yeah if you add an inscription to it an in-person auto on a card that wasn't designed to have an autograph to me it just adds more uh distraction to the card it, it it takes away from the overall aesthetics of the card so no s sp authentic future watch autos where the first 50 i believe have inscriptions and people love that not me it dirties up the card it, it makes the card more distracting give me card number 51 of 999 please over number 50 because i don't need the inscription and i also personally don't trust who puts inscriptions on cards half the time when they're yeah. in their inscriptions, unless you get it yourself. So um, no, I'm not about inscriptions, Josh. Now give me a card. Uh, give me a, I don't know. Uh, give me an OPG Connor Bedard rookie card from next year. And I go meet Connor Bedard at a card show and I get him to sign it and say, Hey, happy birthday, Jeremy. Yeah. That's a card I'd love to have, sure. but it's also not a card I'm having to, to go sell later. It's for me, you know, that I yep. would like. Anyway, uh, yeah, continuing continuing on, Patrick O'Connell snagged the 2012 green PMG cane on PWCC Weekly a few months ago. Excited about it long term. I mean, I, me too, Patrick. I love that card. Congratulations. I mean, wonderful, wonderful card. And uh, there's only 10 of them, you know, so way to go. Uh, Vintage says, wasn't Jagger's rookie in the 51 Parkers? He's been around so long. I hear you. Hockey Cards Up says, I love Synergy Base. Me too, Hockey Cards Up. Me too. I love Synergy Base cards. And again, we're talking about the true base. Those are the, the clear ones. There's, yeah. there's reds and greens and purples and oranges and all sorts of colors. I love Synergy Base as well. Under the radar. Josh? You, ha you have to have Synergy in hand to really appreciate it. Yeah. Like you gain a whole new, we just ripped a box because it came out last week. And uh, it's way better in person than it is in photos. Hockey Cards Up, love Synergy Base. Daniel agrees autos and acetate is gross. I think we did that one. Daniel also saw the OV out of 99 with the auto. Ruined the card, I agree. Hockey Barn says acetate autos scratch easy and can wear off from contact. Yeah, it's the surface just isn't great for them either. Vintage says autos on Prism look like garbage as well. I agree. Uh yeah, hockey cards up says I agree. No autos on no autos on platinum or synergy. Yes, please, please, Billy, Tony, Grant, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Hoff 
Hockey Signature says, do you oppose of my Bobby Orr or Maurice Richard signed rookie card PSA <laughs> certified? I'm, uh, thank you for asking. No, I don't oppose that at all. That's a different thing. That's a different thing. Personally, not for me. Personally, I want my, my or my Richard autograph clean. But on card, in-person autos of like Hall of Famers vintage cards where these players are dead or almost dead, sorry to, be, to, to use that language. And I'm, Bobby Orr's got a ways to go. I love that. I love that for you and other people. A Jackie Robinson autograph 48 Leaf or 49 Bowman, you know, a Mickey Mantle, whether it's 51, 52, 53. Get those are those are huge. Ty Cobb, Satchel Page. I mean, these are autograph cards that there's a lot of people collecting those right now. I I personally don't I want a clean copy for myself, but I do not oppose to those. Sorry, you said, do I approve? You didn't say, do I oppose? Yes, I approve of those. Sorry, I misread that uh, Hockey Hall of Fame segment. Yes, I approve of those completely, 100%. Mm -hmm. But I don't approve of it for players who have, because back in the 50s and 60s, there were no pack-pulled autographs. Now there are. So it's to me, it, it, it's apples and oranges. And that's why I so aggressively support you in, in those. And I think they're awesome. And trust me, if I could probably... Probably if I could start over again, would I have bought those cards back then? I mean, no, because even back then I didn't want them that badly. I have I have five autographed rookie cards, hockey rookies in my collection. It might be six, actually. I got Gretzky, Lemieux, Patrick Waugh, Steve Eiserman, Ron Francis, and Dale Howardchuk. Six autographed, you know, they're all PSA DNA'd. I love them. I do, but I also have a regular copy and I'm not out there pursuing more. I'm done with those six cards. Okay. Not a Vintage. bad six, Jeremy. No, I, yeah, thank you. Vintage says, I don't like inscriptions either. Only inscription might be the Hall of Fame with the year, but I'd prefer just their name. Me too. And probably like you, Vintage, that would be the one exception. Put the HOF in the year. But even that, yeah, I still would rather just the name. I'd still rather just the name. Good night, Daniel. Thank you for joining. Have a great week yourself. Jeff McMahon says, would an Eiserman rookie card signed with a Hoff inscription turn you off? I mean, would it turn me off? Wouldn't turn me off, but I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't like go for it, you know? So, but no, it wouldn't mm -hmm. turn me off, Jeff. But again, I, it's just not something that I would, I would covet for my own collection. As I just mentioned, I have an autographed, I have an autographed Steve Eiserman rookie card in my collection, and uh, I do love it. I'll show it to you guys. I'll show it to you guys right now, actually, if I can find it here. Where did I put that? I moved my stuff around a little bit, so I'm not sure how quickly I'll be able to find it. Here it is. So, yeah, I have a few more than I mentioned because I have, like, all the original Winnipeg Jets. But here, Josh, I'm going to share my screen for a second, just show you guys my uh my autographed rookie card collection i said six it's more like uh 18 that i have so i apologize for that but um here here they are starting from the beginning this is joe daly his 68 opeachy now joe is a friend of mine and a personal friend of mine and so i had a copy of his card and i went to a shop in winnipeg and got him to sign it for me and there is how is that for a nice autograph josh like look at Joe is not messing around. Every single letter 
is present there. Next up is Mike Gretzky. This is a rookie year signature uh, when this card was actually autographed. So pretty happy with that card. There's my Ron Francis. There's the Dale Howard Chuck. Look at that Iserman auto. I mean, I love that. It's almost like if you put Hall of Fame, whatever year it was, on top of that, it, it would just distract me from that beautiful autograph on the card. And by the way, every card I'm showing you guys here, these cards I acquired from the estate of the cameraman from Hockey Night in Canada. He was the cameraman. Mm. His name was Robert Thomas. He was the cameraman from like 1970 till the late 90s, or sorry, the late 80s, I believe. And um, I bought them from, from his estate. Well, I bought them from Wayne Fraser, who picked up the whole estate uh, when he passed away. And so these are kind of special because he used to go into the locker room with the cards and get the players to sign them. And he did this for two decades. So that's how I know that the Gretzky is rookie year because he did these yeah. right away every year. So there's Eiserman's rookie. There's Mario Lemieux's rookie. Or I shouldn't say rookie year, but as you know, once these cards came out, he was yeah. there with the card. Um, Mario Lemieux. There's the Patrick Waugh. And then I've got all the Jets. Dave, well, not all of them, but many. Dave Babbage. I mean, these are guys I used to watch as a kid. Dave Babbage, Doug Smale, Thomas Steen, Dale Howardchuck. And I have all the Howard Chucks. Paul McClain. Some people might say, well, this isn't Paul McClain's rookie card. No, it isn't. His rookie card is 82, but it doesn't picture Paul McClain. So to me, this is Paul McClain's rookie card. And it's one that pictures him. And of course, he was Dale Howard Chucks, uh, line mate for, he was his winger for many years and a great player. And uh, I got to go uh, when my stepfather actually sold him a car back in the 80s. I got to go on the delivery to his house and meet him. So that was pretty cool. There's the Howard Chuck, Howard Chuck, Howard Chuck, Howard Chuck. Wow. Freddie Olison, Howard Chuck. That's it. So those are my those are my autograph cards, personal, all in person. But it's interesting. All of these cards, the person who got them autographed is the same guy for every single one of these, except the Joe Daly. I got that one done myself, and uh, and ex except and he was the cameraman for Hockey Night in Canada in Montreal. So. I really like the the provenance of, of those particular cards. I think it makes a, a difference too. And what I saw looking at your cards is where the autograph is positioned on the card, what type of uh, marker or paint pen is used, the ink color. And I noticed too, like when you look at a lot of young guns that are autoed, like we just did a post, I think there's a record sale on a McDavid young guns in-person auto that went for almost 8,000 US that card is such a dark background. And I think they use like a blue Sharpie. It's hard to make out the auto. The auto is kind of scribbled. And, and so I think if you want to do it, you have to kind of make it a passion project. And like, uh, we know a guy that a uh, big Philadelphia Flyers uh, collector, and he's going to one of their event signing events and he bought 20 different markers and was bought the cards copies and was testing them to kind of see exactly which one and you have to take that amount of care because it can be really distracting or hard to see if you don't yeah and you you bring you raise a point there that you didn't intend to but another reason that i'm not a big fan of obtaining in-person autos myself is i don't want to stand in those lineups at card shows and have to wait I, when i'm at a card show like every minute is precious whether i'm at a booth as a vendor and I want to, you know, I want to make deals or if I'm walking the floor and I want to, you know, make deals, I don't want to spend my time waiting in line to get an autograph. Now that's just me. I, you know, yeah. 
lot of auto, a lot of wonderful autograph guests at the expo last time. Already some announced for the coming expo in Toronto in April, but you won't find me in those lineups. You just won't. Did you see the Matt Sundin line at the Fall Expo? That was crazy. I didn't go. I was in I was in Hall Five. They were in all yeah. in Hall Four, so I didn't I didn't see any of it. But I mean, I love seeing the great lineup lists. I know it brings yeah. out a lot of people. But again, I'm I'm myself. I approach these the way Jeremy approaches the hobby and autographs, and I just would rather not uh, not do that. I mean, it's just, it's just not for me. There are other things I would want to get autographed if I was willing to spend the time in line. You know, other whatever it might be a ticket sub from a game I was at, or I don't know. Uh, you know, those are Timu Solani. Those are actually autographed, like Timu Solani's gloves. Maybe a jersey, like that Solani jersey, yeah. right there. Um, maybe something like that. But otherwise, yeah. I what I was doing for a while, Josh, was I was actually getting some players to autograph um, the slab, the outside of the slab, or. Oh. I also, back in the day, I I bought my first Bobby Hall rookie as 58 tops. I bought that from Joe Daly in 1989. I bought, it was the most money I ever spent on a card. I think I bought it for it either six or $800. He had like two in his showcase. Never seen one before. One day, Joe's got two in his showcase. And I bought one of them. And I had it in a brick, one of those one-inch Lucite bricks. And then I met Bobby Hall. I met him a few times. The one time I got him yeah. to sign uh, like a, a recipe card, an index card, whatever. And I cut that out and I put that in the in the screw down with the card. So I had his card and then right under his autograph. And I thought that was a pretty cool way to display it. But did I want him to sign my card even in 1989? No, he wasn't allowed yeah. to touch it. Never mind sign it. Like, get your hands off my card, Bobby. You know, don't touch it. Sign, sign something else and maybe I'll pair them up. And we're seeing mm -hmm. more and more of those kinds of things now, you know, cards and autographs in frames. That to me is cool. Something that I would put on my wall, but please don't sign my cards. Jeff Sayer says that Eisman auto is nice. No need for any inscription. Thank you. SSP Joel, you guys going to Edmonton Expo in May? Yes, Joel. I will certainly be there. That's the easy, that's a, I can drive to that one. Um, Josh, what about you? Any thoughts on a trip to Edmonton? Would love to. I think though we're going to go to the Toronto one in April. Yeah. And then Edmonton is two weeks later. It's pretty close yeah. in proximity. So I can understand that some people might have to pick one over the other. I will be at both. I will fly to Toronto and then I will drive up to Edmonton for the Edmonton show. And uh, that was, it was an amazing show last year. Yeah. Last year we're, we're already into February here, 2023. All right, Josh, we're at the bottom of the comments. Uh, there might've been one or two that I didn't get to from way earlier. Um, I'm going to not assume that those people are still with us, but in the event Todd McDonald is, I'm going to bring this comment up here. This is from uh a good hour and a half ago, Josh. Todd said, Josh, do you think the new green PMGs will break into the top rookie cards to have for a new rookie? I'll let you, uh, I have thoughts on that. Josh, what do you think? I think so. You know, when we looked at what are the next cards beyond the Young Guns, Future Watch Auto, and Cup RPA, that the, you know, Seismic Gold, PMG are right there. And they're heavily, heavily chased. Having a green is obviously out of 10, so much more exclusive than, than even the red. And the key difference, what we're seeing with PMGs, are the, the difference between retro and sort of the base level PMG. Uh, and so I, I think that that is going to, you know, that I would say the 
the green retro PMGs, if I can make a little bit of a fine point on that, would, would probably be in that top rookie. What's interesting with next year is Upper Deck is combining actually a little bit of the Marvel treatment and they're doing more of an illustrated PMG parallel that for the first time we'll have a hockey blue PMG out of 50. Not the first time, just. Oh, not the first, you're right. There was in retro, right? Nah, there was in retro. There was in 13, I believe. Maybe not 13, there was in 14. Well, I thought that really... they had told us though that the, the blue was specifically Marvel for no, PMG. Definitely not. I can, uh, pr- I can show you I've got blues myself in various years. I know the... Um, the 14s, I believe, had blues. So the 12 retros for sure had blues. There's one on my wall right there. See that See that rainbow? That's a PMG rainbow right there, a team of 2012 retros right there. Blue, green, yeah. red. That's All right, I stand corrected. And then they also did them. I'm just scrolling through my inserts. Uh, so they did them in 2014 as well. I've got a Crosby blue. They did them in 2015. I've got the McDavid blue. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what, yeah. And then they did them in 16 as well. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But I want to go back to, uh, I want to go back to, uh, the, the question at hand here, because I agree with you, Josh, you know, yes, you've got young guns, you got SP authentic future watch autos, and you've got, uh, the cup RPAs is kind of the three staple rookie cards. But and then you said the next ones are like the seismic gold, the PMGs. You know, I'm gonna throw the synergies into that, into this now. The the true rookies, the true base rookies. To me, those cards are all ahead of Young Gun. For me, I would mm-hmm. I would I would buy and own any of those over a Young Gun personally. Uh, SP Authentic Future Watch Auto, maybe not because this is my opportunity to get an autograph rookie card. I said earlier, I'm a big Jake Ottinger fan. He's my guy for a goalie right yeah. now. I haven't bought his Future Watch Auto because I, I know how the hobby works. And I think that now is not the time to buy it. I think I'll get a better deal a little bit later. I'll wait for him yeah. to go cold, as he will, as every player does. We'll see if I if I can time that at all. I'm usually horrible at timing the market, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't think that I would put any of those really. A, maybe I would put them ahead of the Future Watch Auto. Actually, even though I would just get both at that, that at that point, and then Cup RPAs, I just don't collect them anymore. I went hard. I, I had like complete sets of the first few years of Cup RPAs, and now I just don't collect them anymore for whatever reason. Maybe they're just too expensive. Um, you know, I got the you know fake patches really really bothers me and bothered me and uh, continues to. So. I'm I don't I don't know PMGs uh seismic golds orange checkers red prism like whatever the parallel is in Opeachy that you love that year in Opeachy Platinum and then the synergy like those to me are savvier cards mm-hmm. than the, the other one the young gun the, the SP the, the one thing I'll say about PMG that we've really observed over the last few months is it is though a Controversial card, just in the sense of how people personally feel about it. It's one of those 50-50. We have a lot of people that can't stand PMGs, right? And then there's others that think that they're some of the best cards that are produced. So like anything in the hobby, right, it comes down to personal preference. But they're they're not they're a little more kind of, I guess, 50-50 than uh, maybe some other cards that are more universally loved. 
Yeah, no, without a doubt, I completely agree or like understand that and, and makes good sense to me. I think a lot of people um, criticize PMGs. They just don't understand where the value comes from. And really, it, you know, where it comes from is the fact that they're limited in production. They're serially numbered low. I know there's other low serial numbered cards, but they also have a ton of equity, more brand equity than maybe any other numbered card in the hobby. And I mean, there might be something out there I'm not thinking of, but there's there are reasons other than just what it is. A lot of people love them. A lot of people think, well, that's weird. Why, why, why a red background? Why a green background? Why, why, you know, why? Why? It's a design. It's a decision a designer made. Like that, that it the reason is really simple for me. Yeah, by the you either like it, you don't, or you're indifferent. Same thing goes for most cards, right? Not everybody's sure. gonna love every aesthetic. I love. SP authentic future watch autos because they're so clean. They're such yeah. a clean looking card, a lot of white background. You can tell what you can tell an SP authentic card any year just by looking at it. You don't have to ask what brand is that. You know what it is. So they're designed for the auto, right? It goes back to that. And what I would say on PMG is to me what makes that whole set real special and, and because of the PMG is name another sports card box that costs 150 us where you can literally pull a six figure card out of yeah <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good point too here patrick takes this to a whole other level thoughts on young guns exclusives out of 100 and i guess we could also address the high gloss out of 10 parallel as well and you know for me patrick i think that um I went through a phase where I thought that, you know what, these young, if you know, young guns aren't for me simply because uh, I just think there's better cards out there and they're not rare. So I like, I like a card. I like aesthetics. I like the rarity. I need, I need more than one factor for me to be interested in, in owning a card. And this I thought was the, was the way for a young gun to get into my collection. And then I picked up a couple and I just don't love them. I understand that they are, they are very, uh, you know, they're highly coveted. They're hotly pursued by a lot of collectors. And I think there's value to them. And I would say that, you know, if you want to, if you like young guns, but you don't like the, the, the print runs or the, the, the uh, assumed print runs, this is your best bet because I can see these being valuable in the long run. But to me, the only difference between a young gun and a young gun exclusive is the fact that it has a stamp on it with a number. That's the only distinction between the two. So it's gimmicky to me, but it's it, it's a distinction that is that is important in our hobby. So I mean, I, I have kind of pros and cons on them, I guess, but I would if I was advising somebody, I would say, yeah. Go for the exclusives. If it's in your if it's in your budget, buy the exclusives. Buy one exclusives over ten of the base because I think in the long run that's going to be a more valuable holding if value is what you're looking for. Josh, can I expand on that and ask you a follow up question? So then, what's your thought on like French and clear cut? French, to me, is a is a, like just nothing. It's like ugh ugh. Not nothing against French people or the French language, but I can't read. I don't understand French. I don't speak it. So to me, I want a card I can read. So to so to go for it because it's rarer or what have you. 
Um, I would, I, I would just, I have zero interest in the French. And then the other one you mentioned was what clear cut. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. To I've, don't love them. I don't own them. I don't own any. I've never been tempted to own one. I don't, I just don't love them. How about you? Well, the, the card that I kind of secretly like, and I'm not even sure why, is I'm kind of a big fan of the clear-cut exclusives, if you've seen those. They're not numbered, but they're super short print. As far as scarce young guns goes, that, uh, you know, that, that's personally what appeals to me. But from an investing standpoint, I think that exclusives and high gloss are much safer bet. And it's funny. So when we had Billy Celio on last fall, and we had talked to him about, I think at that time, a McDavid, it was probably a high gloss had sold for like $150,000. And I'd asked him the question, when he thinks we'll see a $100,000 young gun card sale. And he dropped a hint. He said, wait till next year, there's something coming that, and we've been poked him a few times to get a little more details on that. So and, uh, uh, people that watch our show have brought it up as well. So I'm kind of curious to see how they plan to evolve the more scarce versions of the young guns, probably starting with uh, Connor Bedard's rookie year. It's not a one-on-one. I, I think he told us that that's not it. But do you think I there hear- should be a one-on-one young guns? I mean, there have been, they've done not, not out of the, like as a, as a, uh, buyback sort of thing. They've done yeah. them before, right? Um, yes, I do. I do think that that, like, hey, they same same question. Should there be a one of one PMG? Well, yeah, they did the gold, so why wouldn't you yeah. do it for the young gun? It only makes sense, right? It's an easy additional hit for them to make. They don't need new photos or anything. Just an, another stamp. I want to just uh, just correct myself earlier because Peeps does say that exclusives are way nicer, nicer foil gold. I don't, is there really an et cetera there or peeps or is it just nicer foil um, yeah. and stamping? Cause I don't know what, well, if there's anything else to distinguish. And, and you know, we, we can't be here all night, but we didn't even get to the whole sort of newer EPAC kind of spectrum of young guns yeah. where you have the foils, the speckled rainbows, all those sort of things too. I mean, there's a lot of young guns now. <laughs> yeah. When you just mentioned the, when you were talking about clear cuts and what you were talking about with Billy, the, you know, the innovation to come, to me, there's too many versions of Young Guns now. I liked when it was your base, your exclusive, and, and your and your uh, high gloss. I really don't keep track of them anymore. And now EPAC, we've got EPAC variations on Fanimations and Jambalayas. It's like, that's just turned me off of Fanimations and Jambalayas altogether. Adding the, the EPAC variation makes me stop collecting them altogether. I'm looking for something that isn't uh, so exploited. and yeah that's just that's just my personal approach so yeah when you mentioned the speckle and all these um i'm just like and i don't i don't like the looks of those personally when i've seen them so it's they're non they're non-issue they're non-issue for me but yeah i think if i'm if i if someone said to me jeremy you have to start collecting a young a a variation of young guns you got to pick up five every year of the rookie class i'm going with the exclusives hands down that's easily what i'm going with so maybe that is a good way to sum up the Young Guns Talk, which my friend JP has been waiting for for a while. Either way, hearing the discussion. Thanks, JP. Appreciate that. Uh, Josh, are you okay to wrap up that discussion? Yeah. And you said we can't be here all night. We're coming up on two hours and 23 minutes on a show that was supposed to be about the PWCC Hockey Weekly Auction, which 
never really got off the ground tonight. They ran into some issues with our website and they have uh, deferred the auction till tomorrow. Extended bidding will start at seven o'clock Pacific tomorrow instead of seven o'clock Pacific tonight. Josh and I are not yet sure if we will be back tomorrow to do what we were intending to do tonight. Nonetheless, we have had uh, a very nice conversation mm -hmm. overall about a bunch of topics that I wasn't planning to speak about tonight, uh, but uh, we've definitely covered a bunch of things. Let's see what uh, Decoy Card says. Maybe it's because I like them so much, but I feel like Opichi Retro Black out of 100, maybe something Jeremy likes. Um, yeah, Decoy. Um, I do like those cards. I do like those cards. Um, I don't know why. I, I can't, you know, but I, I do like them. Um, maybe why is because the Opichi. Okay, so you had the Opichi brand that Upper Deck brought back several years ago. And if you think back to the 0809 series, Josh, you'll be aware they, I think they they did a parallel set within the set that were the 7980 uh, tribute design, the Gretzky rookie year. Yeah. And they did the whole set that way. And there's like four Gretzkys in the set and all like his, the teams he played for a Team Canada card. I love those cards. And then they, and those were numbered out of 100. And then as the, as Upper Deck evolved the Opichi brand over the years, they went and they made this black bordered, Parallel out of a hundred. These are regular cardstock cards, right? I think there is a rainbow yeah. version that they do as well, which is shiny. I like that. I like it because it's not just putting a stamp on the card. They're changing the card. Maybe not the picture, but they're changing the surface or they're changing the mm -hmm. color of the border. Like I like, Hey, I like PMGs. I like, I like many of the, I love a ton of, I love a lot of the parallels in OPG platinum because they just look cool, but just mm -hmm. adding a serial number on a card just doesn't do it so much. So decoy, I do like it. I do like those. Josh, how about oh, you? Listen, you want to make put a smile on my face? Give me a box of OPG Paper Hobby. It is my favorite to open. It's so cheap, but there's four hits like in every pack, and they've got just tons of like great parallels, like you're talking about. I love the black border retros. I love the blank back red parallels too yeah. they have the op the platinum preview cards right so you can you can get essentially a an opg platinum um six months early than before platinum comes out uh and they have some easter eggs and other chases i i honestly think for just for me and i know this isn't a popular opinion i'm sure but it's my one of my favorite rips love it that's awesome. And it's affordable and it's fun. You get a lot of packs, you get a lot of cards. I think that, I think that, yeah, that make, makes a ton of sense to me. And it's Opichi, which uh, I mean, talk about equity and there's nothing that has as much brand equity in the whole sports card hobby outside of maybe tops. I would think, I mean, I, I put, yeah, and there's all, there's all apples to oranges discussions too. Like, well, what about uh, exquisite and that kind of thing, but mm -hmm. I'll stick uh, the Fleer and Donruss. Okay, peeps, thank you. Glad you're enjoying the conversation. Joel, glad you are as well. Thank you for the comment. Peeps says, I wish Upper Deck could actually use old Opichi designs. That is my number one wish as well. That is the thing. Like, I love, I loved when Tops made Tops Heritage Hockey in 0001, 0102, and 0203. Love those sets. Love that product. I just bought a, an unopened box of the 0203 series. Uh, it's sitting up on my shelf. You can't really see it, but it's... Uh, it's in between the 9190. It's right over there, right in between. That's a mm -hmm. Team of Lonnie VHS tape. That's 9192. You can kind of see it right there. Um, 
Not up there, but down there. I bought that at the National. I love it. And there's gum in it. There's gum in it. Talk to me. I mean, that's amazing. So yeah, peeps, I wish Upper Deck could use those old designs. That would, and and, and do another, like do an Opichi retro set. Oh my gosh, I would be all over. Do some nice retro fractor parallels. I'd be all over them. They, they can't? No, no. Tops, I believe Tops owns the designs. Because oh, of the I, parallels. I yeah, I was just thinking a, both like an OPG paper and platinum version of like 71 with Connor Bedard on it next year. I mean, that would be amazing. Amazing. I mean, oh my gosh. And it was, it's Bedard. So they do, they would actually do every year from 54 forward. Sure. They'd make one of every year, you know? Yeah. I would, and I'd collect them all. I'd go for all of them. And then they do it. They do a rainbow parallel out of hundred. I'd, I'd collect those for, I would go after the, the parallel that was like the lowest print run and the nicest that was in my was in within my budget and I would just try and get them all. Okay, what's your over under for how many unique Connor Bedard cards upper deck prints next year? Go oh, god. What okay, let me ask you this. What was the number for Capri? How many were there for Caprizov? Do we know? I don't Give even me know. A baseline. Give me a yeah, no baseline. Know. Without a baseline, my guess would be 750. Yeah, that's a pretty good guess. I would go over there. Over, but, yeah. I was gonna say a, a thousand, but I scaled it back to seven fifty yeah. because I don't have a bait. I don't know what the what I don't even know what how many how many unique cards uh you know Zion Williamson had or Luca or you know any of recent rookie in another sport, even one of the things we've been tracking is not unique to the player, but when we look at when checklist comes out for sets, like on cardboard connection, you can export to like Excel or Google Sheets. And a lot of these sets now have four to five thousand unique cards. Like artifacts wow. or something. It's crazy. Yeah. So maybe a thousand is the number, like you said. You would go higher than my 750. Cards AH says, I feel like there's been a surge in popularity for platinum lately. Yeah, that there has been. Uh, AH, I think it's been over the last year and a half or so. And it really, I believe, stemmed from the popularity of Panini Prism in basketball and football and all the parallels there. Opichi Platinum is Upper Deck's version of Prism with all the parallels and the shiny and the shininess. And they're awesome. I mean, Opichi Platinum yeah. is like my, Josh's favorite is Opichi Paper. Mine is Opichi Platinum. Give me a box of that to, to rip. I, I, I love it. I love that product. So many cool things in there. But there has been a surge, and deservedly so. They're awesome card. Mm -hmm. Jake Dahl loves the regular Opeachy. Opened a box myself. It was a lot of fun, no doubt. Jeff McMahon says, where the Opeachy... Oh, sorry. Where or were the Opeachy sheet cut cards in the 80s limited to a certain few years or the entire decade? Oh, no, that's the entire... That's not the entire decade. That's every year back to 1954 that Opeachy and Tops were making cards. Um, they all came from sheets. And I think that uh, there, there's a ton of, I mean, there's a there's a, a very famous Bobby Orr 66 tops BGS 10. That's a sheet cut card that has been, has some notoriety attached to it over the past 10 or so years. So it goes back to the beginning of time, really. Uh, uh, Jeff. Uh, Mitch says, I pulled if people liked, yes or no, every flagship product that Upper Deck was putting out a few months ago on my Instagram and Opeachy Platinum was the most liked current product by that poll. I, I like that as it should be uh, for anyway, because I that's I'm aligned with that. So that's why I think it should be that way. Peep says Upper Deck slipped some past the goalie and got in trouble like 15 years ago, I think. 
uh, yeah, maybe maybe that was the 0809 series that I was talking about when they mm-hmm. when they used the uh, the 7980 design peeps. I think that's the one. Cards AH has unfortunate credentials isn't taking off for the same reason. I really like that set. So it, what's the credentials? Is that is that it, it, it's the basically I don't know what came first. So, but it's very similar to like Optic Contenders and the rookie ticket. In credentials, it's the debut ticket. Yeah. It should be coming out for 2021. Uh, you know, it's been on the docket for months now. The cards are pretty cool looking. And, uh, you know, again, based on how popular we know in other sports that the contender or optic contender rookie tickets are, it, I'm expecting that there'll be a lot of people chasing those. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. one in person? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was just kind of, I was confusing it with Allure for a moment. I saw oh, credentials. Okay. And I thought Allure and because uh, I how, how is Allure doing it? It's, it's a product that looks pretty cool. I just don't know where it fits in the overall well, portfolio of brands. Yeah, I, I think that it has a little bit of an identity issue. The It's kind of interesting how you said that Platinum and I get comparing Platinum to Prism. But I actually think to me, Platinum is more close to Topps Chrome. That's the, and I think that upper deck designed a lure to be more comparable or the cousin or whatever you want to call it of, of prism. You know, it wasn't well received last year. I don't think, especially one of the things though, that I'm really interested for the 2021 release is they're doing their color, uh, their color driven parallels are they're calling it color connected. So if you have the rainbow, you can and you set the cards next to each other. It's kind of like a, a spectrum of colors and they're designed to all fit together. And to, for me, that's kind of a cool touch. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, that'll be neat for sure. I just want to build on something you just mentioned that you thought that platinum was more tops chrome than Panini Prism. I think those three are sort of the same. They're meant to, okay. yeah, you got top, you know, tops chrome, Panini Prism, platinum for hockey. I think those three are kind of in the same uh they're 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 targeted towards the same segment of the market by sport. Um you said you think Allure is meant more to be like Prism, I think you said. Yeah, to me they're very similar like when you're holding a Prism card in hand and the printing technology seems real similar, the design last year was felt real close to Prism, but maybe that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I I mean I don't I don't see it myself to be to be honest. Uh one of the key reasons I don't though is because Allure is a thicker card and Prism is a is a basic 35 yeah. point card. Allure is like 55 point plus. To me, that's a big difference in just the look and feel. And sure. we know that the thicker a card, the more premium it's meant to feel and be. So I think that's a key difference. But from an aesthetics perspective and design, I see where you're coming from there for sure. Mm-hmm. And how many the amount of parallels too, which is a key part. Uh, JP says thoughts on possible hockey version of Kaboom. I mean, is that, is that, um, is that the, uh, the, the, what's it called? I just said it earlier. Now I can't remember, uh, the fat, what's it called? The fat. Yeah. The, 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 I think that's what upper deck. I'll take the lead on this one. If you don't mind, cause Please. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah, go. I think that what the hockey hobby needs is that, uh, really kind of big, insert chase. 
know, we kind of have that with PMG. You could make the case there or Jambalaya. So I think Skybox has the best. But the set that I would love to see have, whether you like a Color Blast or Kaboom or Downtown, whatever sort of insert analogy you'd like to make, is I'd love to see SP Authentic have a secondary chase. Because we watch a lot of breakers. We've ripped the product. And it's an expensive box. And if you're buying a box of it and your Future Watch Auto is from a, a not as uh, cherished player, there's really nothing in that box, right? You can end up like what you said earlier, a $2 auto, and that's your big card in a $300 box, right? And so I think if they had that secondary chase in SP Authentic, the other thing too, like when you watch Breakers open SP Authentic, it's so boring other than getting that auto card because the the packs are, there's really, you know, they'll look right away. They'll see if it's an auto, they'll do the sweat thing, they'll set it aside. And then they just kind of fly through the rest of the card. So that would be my big insert wish is to easier said than done because who knows what, you know, it's a hobbies are fickle marketplaces. And, um, but, and, and where I will give Upper Deck a lot of credit and we're seeing that we saw this a lot in series one of this past year is, and we've talked to Billy Cilio about it. They're trying lots of new stuff, right? You know, I know people didn't love like Cheddar and Skybox and, you know, but at least, you know, I'm glad that they're taking big swings mm -hmm. from a design and, and trying stuff because, you know, some of the stuff that we really chase is pretty weird too when it comes down to it and you're not going to find a jambalaya unless you try a whole bunch of things yeah that's a good point right there you got you got to work your way towards it from a design creative perspective i also want to say that upper deck gets a lot of flack for not being innovative but they are i mean every year they're they're adding something somewhere um there's innovations coming this year uh mm -hmm. They, they're, they're always trying to push the envelope. Now the question is, you know, with competition, without an exclusive, would there be, would they be pushing it even further? Probably, but they're do. I think considering the circumstances, I got to say they're doing a great job. I, they just, uh, you know, we're, we're very, we're very finicky as a hobby oftentimes. And uh, I think they've done a great job being innovative and doing new things. And uh, they take criticism for not being, and I just think that's unjust. Um, Hockey Barn says J Justin Bieber will be at the 2024 All-Star Game. 99% of fans will be boycotting the game. Rule number one of Sports Cards Live, we do not we do not beat down Justin Bieber. I'm just kidding. But I'm, I, I have nothing against the Biebs. Go Biebs. And I don't know that 99% of hockey fans will boycott the game because he's there. But there are a lot of people outside of, Can outside of Toronto and Canada who uh, feel that Toronto gets an unfair unfair treatment from you know media and the nhl and there might be some boycotting because of that but i can't see it be being because justin bieber is at the game he has every right to go he's a hockey fan well and i think that's the key whether you like him or not personally and i'll come back to the american side of the spectrum here to have a massive superstar that openly talks about hockey in the nhl is not a bad thing not right. Him thing. and Ryan Reynolds are the same. Right. We need more and more kind of, you know, to, again, expose the game to transcend just hockey fans. Right. We need these people invested in the game and talking about it to their audiences. So more do it more, Biebs. Let's see more. We need we need, we need another Biebs out there doing that. 
Hockey card says Luca Doncic has over 2,000 rookie cards, I think, and that was before the blow up of the hobby. Now I don't know how many brands in in how many hockey brands Upper Deck does every year versus how many basketball brands Panini does. I'm going to guess that Panini does more. I think the amount of parallels is probably three to one. So with all that said, I'm going to stick with my 750 number for Bedard, Josh. But I have no. But again, yeah. oh, but hockey cards going that was before. The blow up. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say, still, I'll stick with 750, but a thousand. I'll I'll take yeah. the over. Let me put it that way. I don't. I didn't memorize the number, but I saw a number of months ago. If you really, if somebody wants to look it up, or you just want to have your mind blown, go look up the amount of unique Wander Franco cards printed in the last year, and it'll blow your mind. It's a I'm huge sure. number. Brendan Ryan says mosaic hockey with all the inserts. Ice Masters would be nice. That'd be yeah, that'd be pretty cool to see. Basement Break says those metal X are attractive. So he's talking about an insert or a case hit. Really the same thing, just a different uh, seating ratio. But a, a case hit in the most recent uh, Metal Universe Skybox Metal Universe hockey. Yep. And I've never seen one in person, but I talked to Billy Celio from Upper Deck about the various inserts i was giving them giving them some flack over cheddar not seriously but i was like cheddar yeah. man come on whoa, whoa, billy what anyway um he he mentioned me these metal x card oh and i heard him on your podcast talking about them too saying that these are really nice in hand i've only seen pictures of them don't love the looks of them from the pictures online but as i believe and he told me and i believe will be true you have to see them in hand he mm. also mentioned to me that they're a lot thicker than the normal yes cards that are coming out of skybox metal universe so i want to see them i don't always like a premium card to be that that thick i hope they didn't overdo the thickness of it like if it's a full 180 i don't know if i'm gonna like it if it's a 100 point or a 75 i might like it a lot more i gotta see one and i'm excited to see one for the first time what do you know about them well billy showed us a prototype at the last fall expo of a mcdavid and it's also a new printing tech i can't remember it's a lot of big words too many big words for me, but it is a new printing technology and they're pretty cool in person. So yeah. uh, I've been, I keep getting sniped on eBay. I've been going after Kaprizov. It is a larger kind of how they handled scarcity with, and it's Billy will acknowledge this. It's actually metallics is the name yeah. of the card, but, but the way it, so he kind of tried to get cute, I guess, with the spelling, but it looks like metal X. So um See, you school me on blue PMGs, so maybe I can throw in a little uh, metallics kind of pronunciation there. And it's got a, a fairly big checklist. I think there's 70 cards in the checklist, but because it's one per box or case, I can't remember what it is, it makes the odds of getting any individual specific player pretty tough. Yeah, it's definitely not one per box. I remember listening to him on your and Troy's podcast. Troy's in the audience right now, by the way. Um, and he he said exactly what you just did. It's like one per case, if that, I think. And it's a 70-card checklist. So, yeah, really tough to get the player you want. He thinks that they are going to be a sleeper in the long run. And uh, Mitch right here says he pulled one. I think it's a 130-point uh, let's say that's a lot better than 180 in my opinion for a card that doesn't have any depth to it if it's simply a surface card with no like shadow box uh feature yeah. or or embedded memorabilia if it's just a simple card with a flat surface i don't need those to be 180 point 130 like the original 
cup base cards in the in the early years are 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 awesome as far as I I believe. Mitch goes on to say they do look cool, and then Troy says we got to hold a metallics prototype. They are sweet looking in person. Yeah, I haven't had that uh, haven't had the opportunity yet to do that. I'd really like to to be able to. Hockey cards up. So I love the freestyle gold inserts and the big man on ice gold. Yeah, I haven't seen those those uh, number. Uh, and these are my favorite cards. Parallels of inserts. That's what mm-hmm. I really like because you know that it's rare, rarer than the regular insert. Usually has some bells and whistles, whether it's gold foil or numbering or a, a, a nicer surface like we, like you get with Skybox rubies and the, the blue version of those that we see. Some really nice. Uh, you know what the there. big sleeper looks like, Jeremy? And we're seeing huge sales almost every day are the population count inserts from Series 1. People are really digging those. And uh, according to Billy, again, it sounds like that they're going to be investing a lot more into kind of amping up the design and technology around those going forward. But we just had an Owen Power population count 10, I believe, that sold for 700 US uh, the other day. And it's the highest selling Owen Power card to date. When you say 10, does that mean out of 10? 10 copies? Yeah. So essentially the way it was explained to us is that printing serial numbers on cards is very expensive and Upper Deck has a specific budget that they have to hold to and design. And then it's about, well, how do we stretch that budget to get an over how many cards we produce, how many different parallels, what sort of type foiling we use, acetate we use, and sort of a way around to add more scarcity into a flagship release like Upper Deck, which is intended to be really cheap, is they came out with this population count concept where it looks almost like a slab card. And so it starts at a thousand. So if the population got a thousand, they're not serial numbered, but there's only a thousand in the print run. And then they have parallels that get much more intricate with foiling. And like the example of Owen Power, it's a really cool gold foil. It is, a, it's a population count 10. I know there's a one, I'm not sure if there's a five, I can't remember. But uh, but yeah, that's one of ten copies of that card. Oh, that's pretty cool. And well, nice to nice to hear that a card like that is commanding like record breaking numbers for the player who's still young and doesn't even have his best cards out yet. But but you have OV cool. ones and McDavid. They're all selling for pretty big numbers. It's uh, uh so it's been a you know a huge insert success in just the last few months from Upper Deck. Good. Yeah, I I loved the freestyles parallel. Uh, Love insert. them too. I mean, the texture, have you felt them? No. And no. yeah, they're they're really kind of probably not the best idea from a value standpoint, but uh, they're kind of cut fun to, uh, they got a little bit of texture to them. But all that said, I do have to say that uh, the number one card that I've picked up this year so far is my Ron Burgundy rookie card. There you go. Who produced that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was produced by... DreamWorks LLC. Oh, okay. Uh, there's another. I can't even read it. It's so small. Got to pull up my loop just to just to read what it says here. But uh, I know we're off topic here. 2004 DreamWorks, all rights reserved. DW Studios. DW Studios is who partnered with DreamWorks to produce the 12 card Anchorman set that I recently picked up. It's got it's got all the key all the key players. I mean, Scott, Troy would be all over that. He loves ben, entertainment cards. Look at the Ben Stiller. That's awesome. Arturo Love Mendez. It. Love it. 
I mean, come on. These things are these things are Jack Black. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh oh, what's his name? I can't think of his real name right now. You'll someone will know it. Oh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. I mean, and there's more. You've got uh you've got Champ Kind, also known uh, as <laughs> what's, his, what's his name in the office? Oh uh what's his name in the office? Somebody know. I'm drawing a ball. Packer, Todd Packer. There you go. Todd Packer, yeah. And of course, uh Brick Tamland, also from the office, yeah. and 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, I just uh and of course Veronica Corningstone. I know, sorry, totally off topic, <laughs> but I love I love the Anchorman, uh, the Anchorman cards. They came in a special edition Blu-ray, which I had to buy on Amazon a few weeks ago. I've talked about nice. it before, so some people might have heard me say that. JP says Jeremy single-handedly increased Amazon Anchorman Blu-ray sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I did. I've seen more, I see more and more people showing that they've picked those up after I broke the news. And I gotta give credit to oh, I forget who it was on Twitter posted up that they found some of those cards and then I had to figure out what they were. Yeah, Troy, love them too. Love them too. They're pretty, pretty fun cards. All right. You want to wrap up? Yeah, sure. We got to post our Gancho episode yet tonight. So uh, I'm going to be up all night, Jeremy. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to keep you. You got work. No, it was fun. Fun. It was fun. Yeah. Well, this was great. uh, Some great conversation. Thank you to everyone in the chat. You guys, thank you for helping us. kind of, you know, go on. And what would have probably been a two hour episode is just, you know, 10 minutes shy of three hours now with a lot of topics that we wouldn't have otherwise gotten to talk about. So that makes it pretty fun. So thank you, everybody. And uh, well, Josh, we'll have to touch base at some point tomorrow, uh, see if we're going to do an episode tomorrow. Um, uh, We'll have to figure that out and see if we're going to cover the the PWCC weekly if we're both available. But uh, I guess watch our Instagrams, everybody. Watch the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel for notices on that. Want to thank you, Hockey Barn. Thank you, Basement Breaks. Appreciate your appreciate y'all being here. If we don't see you again tomorrow, guys, I just quick announcement. Um, I won't be I won't be online next weekend. I will be at the Burbank show. So no 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 shows, no PWCC show next Sunday, no sports cards live next Saturday, no collectible live on Sunday. Um, weekend off for me. The weekend after, I will also not be able to do the PWCC show, but we'll be doing Sports Cards Live on Saturday. I think it's the 13th or something like that. So we'll do that. Good night to you, Brendan, Evan Thomas. Just, hey, congratulations on qualifying for the World Series of Poker online. Keep us posted on that. That is awesome. Thank you, Hop Hockey Signatures. Evan Thomas says good luck to, uh, good luck on the, good luck on the uh, World Series, I think. Oh, good luck, Pod. And uh, Mitch, thank you. Good to see you, pal. All right, Josh, give you final words, then we're done. Say goodbye. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. I think we made a lemonade out of lemons tonight, Jeremy, and uh, it was a fun conversation. Always learn a lot from you. So, and, and and me from you as well, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, drop your pod quick. When, when are you dropping pods this week? Uh, always Monday and Thursday, so 3 a.m. The newest podcast will be up tomorrow morning or, I guess, it could be tomorrow morning, depending on already where, wherever you're at. Uh, so, and then on Thursday morning as well. All right. And there you have it, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a great, great week. It is Sunday. Josh, thank you. And everyone, this episode is now over. <laughs>